0: have I got a story for you. Actually, more like a storyteller. Have you ever wondered what that was like? The that being something unique or weird that you hear happens to someone you go, hmm, I wonder what it would be like to be shot seven times, lead a cult, eat my own foot that was amputated, or be kidnapped and held for a year. But first... A word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. AndrePsyche.com is the cute, quaint corner store boutique with all sorts of neat and original merch you had no idea existed because AndrePsyche.com is tucked away, hidden in the northwest part of the internet. Let me give you a little preview of the plethora of potential purchases available for your perusal. We're talking about literature, clothing, paintings, prints, accessories, music, poetry, or any custom gift that your soul may desire. Andre, after all, is a freelance creator extraordinaire. So go to AndrePsyche.com and see what speaks to you, because each and every item has a story behind it. Nothing is made. Everything is created on AndrePsyche.com. We're also brought to you by the Getting to Know You Pod. Have you pushed the subscribe button yet? Take a moment right now. Do it. Especially if you're on Apple or Spotify. If you pushed play on Apple or Spotify, do the podcast a favor. Show us a little support. Just push the subscribe button. And if you have another 10, 20, 30 seconds, rate and review the pod, especially if you're listening on Apple. And... If you have not already, I know it's a lot to ask, friend and follow the pod. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. All you need to do is search us up. It's getting, the number two, no, the letter U, pod. And finally, we are looking for sponsors and advertisers. So if you or someone you know has a business or brand and would like to expand your market reach, consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. The podcast has been downloaded in over 30 different countries and 42 states in America. So if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, just message us. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and we would love to partner with you. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting
1: to know you. Getting to know you. I'm gonna do a terrific show today.
0: Getting to like you, getting to hope you like me.
1: Because I'm good enough.
0: Getting to know you, putting it my way, but nicely.
1: I'm smart
0: enough. You are precisely and it. my cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Scott. And before I develop a complete complex, and I should have said something about this earlier, completely jealous of your radio podcast voice, Scott. I've got to admit, (laughs) you may have the best voice of any guest I've had on the Getting to Know You pod, including musicians.
2: (laughs) Oh boy. Well, you haven't heard me sing. You definitely don't want to hear that. But I absolutely do not have the best voice in podcasting. I can tell you who does have that? Who is? And You may have heard of her. Her name is Phoebe Judge. I have not. She, oh, my goodness. You've got to listen to... It's a true crime show called Criminal. Oh. And her voice would just... Um, it's uh, It's just... A, she has a great voice.
0: So, Joe Rogan... And it's funny. We were talking a little bit about, about podcasts earlier. Joe Rogan <laughs> just had two guys on. And, man, I got to check it. I listened to two. It was... Cr- basically it was two guys who came on about false convictions and one of them was junk science talking about bite marks and um, blood splattering history. Are you, did you happen to catch that at all?
2: I, I didn't hear that one. No,
0: no. Oh my God, dude, it will change your life. If I'm looking it up right now, it'll change your life the way you look at it. So did you know to become a blood spattering expert? It's basically a 40 hour a week certification. Did not know that. Did you know that to be a blood wrongful conviction podcast, wrongful conviction podcast is it. And some of them is junk science. Did you know that the guy who started blood splattering as far as like, this is what our criminal system goes upon was like in his backyard shooting dogs mapping where the blood went in order to create this science And then went with cadavers and shot dead bodies and then people bought into this. And then the whole premise is like, well, you can't test this science on what it means to strike a live person with a shovel and slice their neck off and see where blood splatters, you know, like that kind of thing. They were like, it's really unproven, but yet it's been completely adopted. So anyway, I've almost gone Mm -hmm. down a little bit of a rabbit hole of the wrongful conviction true crime kind of a stuff, but I have not uh-huh. seen or I've not listened to the true crime podcast.
2: Oh, well I did. I actually did one episode with a,
0: with a man who was wrongly convicted. Oh no. And on yours. Yeah. Oh dude. Yeah. Like, well, so, and I should have done this earlier. You are a host of a podcast since God blessed you with that beautiful voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your podcast?
2: The podcast is called, what was that like? Such and each name. episode is a conversation with some just a regular person who has been through some type of extremely unusual situation, you know, like, um, like that, the, the wrongfully convicted that guy was arrested and convicted at age 19 for kidnapping and raping a nine-year-old boy. And he, um, he spent 35 years in prison.
0: So, Everything I've been taught about prison, if you rape a young kid, I can't imagine you making it 35 years in the prison initially. Yeah. Like I could well, not imagine his day-to-day trying to survive 35 I years. I know.
2: I know. Yeah. And, uh, but, and the, and the funny thing is when, he, I mean, and what finally exonerated him exonerated him was DNA evidence, um, which was amazing that from 35 years ago, they still even had that evidence, but um they did and uh he was uh taken on by the Innocence Project who uh you know heard about his case, they took it on and
0: I think that's who they... hosts wrongful conviction. I literally mm-hmm. think that is who the the um I see, I gotta get better at Googling and like actually remembering names, but the Innocence <laughs> Project is and that's their whole thing is like mm-hmm. DNA is the it. Yeah, you, you, you have witnesses right? You have circumstantial evidence, you have all these other things that are so subjective. And that doesn't even get into people planting or cops planting evidence so that they can get up the ladder, you know, like Mm -hmm. propel their careers. But DNA evidence, they they had a whole or they had a whole segment on how hard it is for you to actually get DNA evidence of your own administered into a court of law and tested. And I was amazed by, I'm like, wait, so you can't just ask, like that doesn't just happen. As a matter of fact, they were like, no, it's a whole process right. and it can take years. If not it's years, incredible. if not years,
2: it's incredible. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it is. It's it's amazing. Even, you know, any person, any logical thinking person on the outside, looking at all the facts on this case, I mean, he had, this guy had an alibi. He was at home. He knew he had people who were, who, that he was with these people at home when the crime took place. And yet, of course, he's a young black kid. And, um, uh, you know, it's uh, back then things were, well, I was almost say things were different, but unfortunately things are Still pretty similar today. No doubt. But um yeah. And the, but the funny thing is when he got out he finally got clear, they got him out. He has no anger. He's just That's amazing. He's just a happy guy. He's happy to be out.
0: Dude, it, it's it, it almost, God, it's such a bad analogy, but it, I don't even know if I'm, I'll, I'll make it. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it reminds me of my lab who can be at home for eight hours And isn't mad that I left her at home for eight hours. She's just super excited now that she gets to get out. And it's Mm -hmm. so sad for our society that a human being, after 35 years of being wrongfully convicted, Mm -hmm. life taken away from you, man, prime years of your life, starting a family, building your identity, establishing a career. It's a, what an amazing man you would think that can keep that kind of mentality and not like, dude, I'd be bitter. I'd be so Mm -hmm. bitter after that long. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to hear him tell the story. It's pretty amazing. What was the, like, um, was there a nail in the coffin for him to be wrongfully convicted? Was there something that they brought forth that the jury just found, like, as, yep, he's there. He's the guy. Even though he had the alibi, even though he had witnesses?
2: It was um, the the boy identified him from a picture, but the, wow. the, the identification was kind of coerced. Like they kind of led him that way mm. and, and the jury was mostly white people. And so he, he had to, he had everything stacked against him.
0: And was the sure. boy white as well? I think so. So dude, that, I, yeah. So again, listening to wrongful conviction and I love how we both host podcasts. We're talking about another podcast, right? But like, <laughs> Um, Meek Mill, um, rapper from Philadelphia. I don't know if you're familiar with Meek Mill. No. Okay. So Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, has gotten into, for whatever reason, Meek Mill, the owner of the 76ers, has gotten into the Meek Mill. A kid basically who's been wrongfully convicted, pretty famous rapper. Um, They get into this aspect on the Wrongfully Convicted podcast about Meek Mill where cross-gender identification witnessing is completely flawed. And it's not to say that people are inherently racist. It's just one of those things where like, and Meek Mill was like, you know, black people got a saying, all white people look the same. And white people I hear got that same saying, like mm-hmm. that's actually scientifically proven that if you identify outside of your own race, you are less likely to be accurate. And Meek, in Meek Mill's example, he's like, dude, you roll by in the backseat of a cop car. There's 12 of us on a corner seven of us got cornrows, 11 of us got white shirts. All of us got baggy jeans. All you gotta do is point Mm -hmm. what's gonna happen. And on top of it, yeah, and on top of it, again, they get into um, when you're interrogating, you're allowed to lie. Police officers are allowed to lie during interrogations. And when you said coercion, they wanna close a case, man. Like these are people that have jobs, they're not trying to spend that extra time. Most aren't, I shouldn't generalize. But when yeah. you get to that point and realize it's someone's life that's living at 24 hours compared to who the, who is the person working it on an eight to 10 hour shift, what extra things are going on in their life that are pulling them away from actually fully investing into finding out the truth of the, the matter, the crime. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's amazing. We are in the year we're in and things still go down this way. It really yeah. is.
2: Yeah, it is. Well, hopefully we'll see some
0: change soon how um what brought about the dna evidence in this case and for your let's get back to your podcast <laughs> mm. <laughs> what actually helped mm. your or the person who came on your pod get out
2: well uh the innocence project read read about the case and decided to take it on and so they went looking for evidence and and actually throughout the years james uh the, the man that was convicted he had uh requested the evidence for, you know, on, on his own, as you know, as he went through appeals and retrying the case stuff that I could like a lot of people that are in prison do for their own case. Right. Um, and, uh, he was always told there it's all gone. It, it's, you know, there is none. And the project went and looked and they, they found it. It was actually the, the boys underwear was still there and in some kind of an evidence, uh, file. And, uh, they were able to get enough from it.
0: 35 years later, somebody's mm-hmm. like, maybe we should check a point of yeah. contact cloth. Mm-hmm. Like, God. And was James able to get any sort of uh, reparations or anything like that for his time served?
2: He did. He did get a sizable amount of money, but I mean, 35 yeah. years of your life, what's that worth? You know, if you get a million bucks, 2 million bucks. Yeah. I, I don't think I would trade that.
0: No, Jesus, no doubt. Man, how – and I'm super interested. How many episodes have you actually posted of your podcast? 58. Wow. And I've got to tell you, man. So initially, I've listened to two episodes, as we said. As soon as I heard your voice and your style, I went Freakonomics. (laughs) Do you ever listen to Freakonomics? I've heard of it. I don't think I've ever listened to it, though. I I don't know if you're into the economics, but I think you – stylistically, man, it is right up your alley. Like you are legit with your editing, with your questioning, with your sound. I mean, it's, it it sounds super professional. And I immediately went to, how are you able to keep finding people to know what that was like? What was Mm -hmm. that like? Oh man, see, I messed up your tag. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, I, I have a lot of different sources but a lot in a lot of cases it's just, I'll, I'll look for, uh, for unusual news stories. You know, I'll see somebody that got attacked by an alligator or, you know, somebody that, uh, was in a plane crash or, you know, anything like that. And if there's a name in the, in the article or online, then, uh, you know, I'll track them down and say, Hey, you know, you want to come on this,
0: come on the show. How do you track them down? Are you a social media sleuth? Sort of. Yeah. Social <laughs> media is a big part of it. And a lot
2: of, a lot of people are almost everybody's on Facebook and, right. uh, so you can find people that way. That's why I kind of, it's funny when I'm looking at an online article and I see somebody like, like, like inside edition might do a story about, and they've got a video of a a car by the side of the road that's on fire and a bystander pulls up and runs and pulls the guy out of the car and saves his life. And I'd like to talk to that guy that stopped and saved that guy from that burning car. Right. But I'm hoping when I read the story that his name isn't mike smith you know or something <laughs> like that because you know there's a million of those on facebook right in
0: texas and then you're like god is, the population
2: right right but if he's got a really unusual name then usually that i can narrow it down pretty quickly and i use some uh, online people finding search services as well
0: oh no way so then mm-hmm. if i ever need to check a potential tenant's uh credit score, I can just email you because you already have the subscription that I keep trying to get like the free seven day trial for.
2: Well, mine is to find people like <laughs> an address and phone number. It doesn't really give me their credit score, or their social security number. I mean, there's services for that too, but right?
0: no yeah, I no I just, need,
2: no need for that information.
0: So gotcha. I, I didn't know if, um, After, no, that would be terrible to infer. I was just be like, it would be hilarious in like some bizarre world that somebody, and this is something I face when I was starting the podcast is I'm just like cold emailing people. Hey, saw your comment on Joe Rogan. Saw your comment on a Naval post. Come on my podcast. It's getting to know you. And then Mm -hmm. convincing people that I'm not like a Russian bot trying to steal their voice. And then some way trying to like take their identity. So yep. how hilarious would the like Ponzi scheme be of you're somewhat like a f- like D rated. It wouldn't even be like famous person, but you've been involved in a newsworthy story. Come on my podcast. But the real intention is to like steal your identity and then like try to make it with wow. your fame. That's.
2: I never would have. I never would have thought of that. But it's funny because I I do a I another do a, another podcast and I write and blog and podcast about common scams,
1: and how oh they no work way
2: and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's that's one thing that well, you know, you hear talk now about deep fakes, right? Where well, you, that, can,
0: exactly. you can exactly
2: create even videos of people the speaking. The lip syncing stuff, man,
0: is sick to see. Yeah,
2: yeah. So you really can't believe anything you see now.
0: Yeah. And that, and again, the more I talk to people, the more I realize how, um, how terrible my mind works, <laughs> how cynical, how evil my most mm-hmm. like intentions and my thoughts go. But that is something when you were talking, just the trust of these people to come and share these stories and then you searching for them. It, it's, I'm surprised that they're so, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because it's a really cool experience. That most of the people have gone through. They probably, Are willing to share it right
2: well a lot of them are and i can also usually predict if if they've gone on tv and given a news interview or something like that then i know that they are inclined to talk about the story but i've had a few where they have never told the story verbally from beginning to end to someone and um, I've had a few that have done that on my show. It was the first time they've ever actually told the full story. Oh, no way. And the, the, the funny thing is, I wouldn't have predicted this, but afterward, they said that it was very, it was actually therapeutic. You know, like when you go to a therapist, you right. talk it all out, you get it all out. And, and that's what they felt like they were doing is just getting it out of their head and out there, you know, to somebody that would listen. And I'm willing to listen. Yeah. And my listeners uh, love hearing a, a, an exciting, unusual story.
0: How much communication are you getting with these people? So you and I, we, and we probably spoke longer than I typically speak with people before they come on the pod. We probably shot the shit for what, like 10, 15 minutes before we Mm -hmm. started recording. How much of a background or pre recording chat do you get into with these, with your guests? Very little. Really? Isn't yeah, it amazing little. how, how open and how willing people are to like share their experiences with mm-hmm. literally a complete stranger?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, it, it, yes, I am a complete stranger to them, but <laughs> what happens is a lot of times people will, will get, will get my contact, whether it's an email or a Facebook message or whatever. And in that first message, I say, look, this is my podcast. Here's the website. You can go listen yeah. And when you, when you hear somebody and you can, if they listen to a few episodes, yeah. they know that I'm, you know, I'm not trying to do an episode where uh, like a gotcha thing or, oh,
1: you know, man, I, I just, so I, and times. I'm very empathetic
2: with them. You know, right. I try to be respectful. You know, I had a guy that, that, that came on who had just lost his son. His 16 year old son had died of an asthma attack. And this guy, um, you know, I thought maybe it was too soon because when we recorded, it was only six weeks after it had happened. Wow. And he was, he was, he was breaking down. He was tearing up five minutes into the show. I bet. And, um, and I thought, you know, ahead of time, I I asked him, you know, is this, is it too soon to do this? And he wanted to do it because his son, as a result of his death, his son had saved other people's lives through organ donation. And so he wanted to, raise awareness and, you know, he, his son was a hero. And so he, that's the reason he wanted to do it. And uh, so, but yeah, it's amazing that people will, when they feel comfortable and they feel okay with being vulnerable. Right. um, And, and that's part of the pre-chat when I, usually when I talk to people ahead of time uh, and I getting, I'm kind of orient, getting them oriented toward how it's going to work and, you know, if you need to take a break and get a drink of water or whatever, it's all edited. That's fine. Nobody's going to hear that. Um, and I usually use this line and I, I learned this from Tim Ferriss. Okay. And uh, he says, uh, and I say to these people, look, there's going to be some times when I ask a question. And I just completely screw it up. And so when I do that, I'm just going to say, okay, I'm going to start over and ask that question again. So the (laughs) fact that I'm being vulnerable, like, Hey, I'm stupid. I'm, I can mess things up too. That makes them more comfortable with being, being vulnerable themselves. And I think that helps,
0: man. That is, um, there's a lot of truth to that. And my mind, I want to go back to the, um, father who lost his son, um, was that, was he hoping to advocate for organ donation or like asthma attack awareness? I'm curious about that. What was it, he hoping organ for? Organ donation. Yeah. Gotcha. Because
2: his son had to say, it was funny. They had had the conversation maybe a week before and um, his son was asking about organ donation and they, they knew that that was his wish.
0: So it was because, that chronic, uh, like they, they thought something was coming for the son. Well,
2: they, he, I mean, had, he had had asthma his whole life. And in most cases, you know, it, 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 it passes or if it's, if it's bad, he had his inhaler, always yeah. had that with him. Uh, but in this particular case, it was the 16 year old son and his 14 uh, year old brother. They were the only two at home and, uh, and the inhaler wasn't, it wasn't doing the job. And,
0: uh, and the 14 year old brother was there, mm-hmm. that poor child. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God man and that's it it's one of those your your mind immediately my mind immediately goes to as a father so i have a 10-year-old daughter i i i don't have two children i have one child yeah. i could not imagine the guilt not only would i be grieving my loss of my son i would be so fearful of the guilt the child, the sibling is experiencing mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Be- because of the incident, especially right. the younger. You know, like, I mean, a younger child, if you're whatever, get into stereotypes like they're, they're baby, the other one takes care of you. But you always feel like if you mm-hmm. get that chance as a younger sibling, you're always like, and I know this as I was a single child, but as a younger kid, you always want to prove how good you are to the older mm-hmm. kids. Right, thinking about that and dealing with that much and trying to keep your family together after an incident like that, um, is just heart wrenching. God, yeah,
2: what a terrible yeah. it's, experience! There's all kinds of uh factors,
0: psychological factors to consider when something like that happens, yeah. and you really wonder, man, for the first time for him to share something like that, uh, not that you were wrong to be there because you need to talk about that stuff. Like, you know, dude, you got to talk about that. And you probably need to talk about that multiple times with some multiple people. I, I'm just mm. like, how, I don't know. I don't even know how to ask it without being like, um, paparazzi like, but how are you the first choice to speak about that with? That's amazing to me.
2: Well, it's not that they necessarily chose me first. It's because it's mainly because I contacted them and, and said, look, um, this, if, if you're comfortable talking about it, it's a, it's a, and what I think is an important story. Right. And, um, like my very first episode was a young lady in Texas who accidentally killed someone and her two kids were with, with her in the car, two little kids. She was pulling out from an intersection, didn't see the motorcycle coming from the left and it was nighttime and, uh, and he hit her and he ended up dying two days later. But I mean, she's by herself with her kids. Um, she doesn't, at first she didn't even know what happened. Right. But then she realizes she sees the motorcycle laying on the road and the headlight and he's laying there. And so she told her kids to stay in the car that she had to go help this man. And, um, and I got the 911 call that she made from there, from next to him, you know, as he lay there. And she hadn't even heard that herself. She had to have her therapist. It was two years after it had happened. She had to have her therapist listen to it first. And she had to kind of work up. I mean, even listening to the podcast episode where right. she told the story. And um, and now she has her own podcast.
0: So, yeah, well, you had... Would- is it based around mental health or something of that nature? Or did she go just like in a completely different direction? Like she's a no, podcast on breeding puppies. Her,
2: when, when, when this happened to her, see this, this type of people, these, these, this group of people that um, are called caddies, C-A-D-I. Um, uh, oh, now I'm not going to remember them what it stands for. Um, caused accidental death or injury. Okay. So, and think about how many car accidents are there every day all over the United States and people die and somebody was at fault. And so somebody feels like, like and, and are, they are at fault for the death of another person. Yeah, it's, it's... When this happened to her, she had nobody to turn to. There weren't any support groups, nothing. And she was mm-hmm. able to find one other person who had, that she could talk to who had actually been through the same thing. And so now her podcast is about that. So oh. people can... Here and they can identify. It's like a group identification thing right.
0: and have hope. Dude, those and, are so powerful.
1: Um,
2: yeah. But I mean, you think about it, that's a, what a niche audience, but it's a but huge a community. audience.
0: But a community. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I, So.
0: No, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just, uh, again, you, you go, You get out of your car and you have two children in the car and Mm -hmm. the ethical, moralistic tear of where do you turn your attention? I'm sure your kids are freaking out, you know, and then you compound that and then you're hoping for a day or two, right? You're just praying Mm -hmm. that everything's fine. And then another crushing blow. God, was she she wasn't like convicted of anything, was she? Well, that was, that was the other part of the story that she didn't know
2: that. Right? I mean, it was, it was clearly her fault. She was, she did not yield right away, but in her defense, she did not have the radio on. She wasn't on her phone. Um, you know, it, it was to her left where that road was. It was, there was kind of a rise in the road. So she didn't see that it was nighttime. She would think she would see the headlight, but she didn't. And, so the grand jury, uh, it was actually just before Christmas that she oh my was God. at some friend's house and got the phone call. And, um, that's when they, you know, they, they told her that they had, were not going to uh, bring charges. So, but I mean, how do you explain to your kids? Mommy might have to go to
0: prison and Dude, do you, you know, even do you even f- that, that, that right there is an ethical, a great ethical question. Cause that mm-hmm. it, it's not like you get your court date and you know, it's going to be done in a day. You get that thing and it's loom. Right. It's a cloud. It, it's a, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's a cloud hanging over you. Do you even have that conversation with your children to bring them into that stark reality? Or do you just keep that to yourself? Right. Right. Did, right. Did and, she actually and not to say, mention the,
2: the financial effects <laughs> oh, of did, you know, having yeah. to hire the lawyer and, yeah, and I mean, are, is she going to be sued civilly by this guy's family? And not to mention just the guilt that she feels. Well, yeah. That, He caused it, you know, and so, yeah, she, she went through a lot and she's doing a lot better now, but,
0: uh, did she wind up telling her kids, did she try to rationalize and explain and compartmentalize everything or did she go with the, let's just hold it together and see what happens route?
2: They, they actually, she and her husband actually have four kids. It was just two of them that were with her. The two youngest ones, I think. And, um, yeah, they were, I think they were pretty open with them the whole way through to, to prepare them, you know, yeah. the, they really didn't know which way it was going to go.
0: And, um, man, you say was, grand jury, uh, grand, ju- grand jury alone is scary. Not like not just mm-hmm. a jury, grand jury alone. Um, and mm-hmm. I went monetary as well. Like you're, you're thinking grand jury, like you want to get a legit lawyer to help you with that.
2: Yeah. God. Yeah, and that was my very first episode. No.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, and I don't mean to laugh was, at like what she's been through. And so part of what I've learned on this podcast <laughs> thing, and I think I've said this actually the last couple episodes because I I've become more aware of it. I have this, and we were talking about this with um was it Auphonic A-U-P-H? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, the, the audio service. Yeah, yes, audio service. So I have this weird thing when I'm thinking, I'll be like, you know, it's funny. And it'll be like, no, it's actually tragic. <laughs> but yep. for whatever mm-hmm. reason, that's my catchphrase to gather my thoughts in order to try to be respectful of the question that I'm asking. Right. I cannot imagine you dealing with that sort of weight as, as a host and clearly you're a respectful guy, man. Now, aside from the voice that was made to podcast mm-hmm. and, and, and do this kind of thing. But like you're, you're a respectful guy. I've listened to a couple of your episodes. Like you're, you're, you're not a gotcha guy. How, like, how do you deal with that as your first episode? Did you practice with people? Did you know, or are you like having conversations in the bathroom mirror while you're shaving? What are you doing to prepare?
2: Well, I, I have to my advantage, I have a natural curiosity. So Whenever I, whenever I, before I actually start recording, before I chat with someone, I have a lot of questions and my hope is that they're really going to just take it and tell the story, but not everyone is a storyteller. And so I have questions that are designed to kind of guide the conversation, keep it going. But, um,
0: so you've done a couple, you've done some Googling where you've got a bullet point of questioning. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And if I always ask them, you know, if if you've got copies and I, I verify everything too. None of my story. I don't do anything paranormal. Um, I, everything that I, all the stories that I do, I've verified that they actually happened. And um, but oh, I forget where I was going with that now.
0: Well, I was asking you how on your first episode. So for me, my oh, first okay. episode was myself. And then my second episode was with my 10 year old daughter. And the audio is shit. My third episode was me again just being like, Hey, I'm going to tell a story. My first one was like, Hey, this is what I want. Second with daughter, third, like I'm gonna tell a story. And then when I finally got my first episode, my first guest, dude, I think I sweated through three t-shirts and it was a skateboarding trial lawyer. I believe he's from Florida, Kyle. It's been so long now, but I, and I had no idea where it was going to go. Cause again, I'm not doing research like you. I don't have a, I shouldn't say theme. There, there's not a central idea that I'm focused on. It's getting to know you. Talk about, and we'll right. just have a conversation. But I was so self conscious and it was so light. It was so free. It was so fun. You know, mm-hmm. we got into some heavy stuff. Like he had some real serious relationship issues with his father, and I couldn't, I was amazed that he explored that with me. But you knowing initially with a guest that you're getting into, the weight of that and the responsibility of that for your first episode, like, dude, I might've chosen something lighter (laughs) not to make light of it, but like that's, that's a serious case for your first episode. So all that to say, I was wondering, like, how do you, the preparation for that and how you're feeling for your first one?
2: I have an advantage because, um, I, I did another podcast that's no longer live. But um, I, I'm part of the, what's, I'm part of the ultra running community.
0: No, you're not. Which, yeah. Oh, so awesome.
2: So I did a, I did a podcast called ultra finishers. And with that show, every episode was with a person who had just completed their first ultra marathon. And for those that don't know, an ultra marathon is any running race longer than 26.2 miles, longer than a marathon. And so I'd talk to people after they've either after they finished their first ultra, like a 50 K or a, a 50 miler or a hundred K or a hundred miler. And, um, and kind of do what I do on this show. Ask them, what was that like? How did you train? Right. Uh, what was, you know, when you got to the, you know, in the last half of the race, what was the pain like? What happened? <laughs> All that stuff. Are so you a positive knew...
0: or negative self-talker? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, but by doing that, I did 88 episodes of that show.
1: Uh, and
2: okay. So by interviewing all of those people, I kind of developed the skill of being able to pull people out of, you know, get their emotions and being able to get them to tell the story. And so I kind of, I kind of take advantage of that experience yeah. when I'm talking to these other people, because I'm kind of doing the same thing. Right. It's just not about running. Although I did do one episode about a guy who, uh, who weighed 500 pounds and he went and he became an ultra ultra marathon runner. So that was one that's kind of similar.
0: That's physically but possible.
2: He did it. He's still running
0: 500. Yeah, it, took, pounds. It, it took him
2: th- like, I think it was like three years. So relatively quickly, but yeah, usually I've got before and after pictures and, um, he, uh, he knows uh, a lot of the same people that, that I know just from, from doing these races. I, Actually, that was introduced to him by the race, the race director that runs the race where I did my first ultra. And um, he he put me in touch with this guy saying, hey, he'd be a good,
0: good person for your show. And he was. So before I ask about him, what was your best ultra? So I, I jog. I'm a jogger. I would say yeah. I'm a jogger. I'm not an ultra. I jog mm-hmm. four or five miles a day. I can go at a 7.30 pace if I'm really pushing it and not hungover. (laughs) If if I've drank a little too much or if I haven't gotten a good night's sleep, I'm comfortable at eight, you know, at five miles. I think I've done a 9K and finished top three in my age group. But most of those people who were really running were like running the half marathon and the full marathon that day. So it's a tainted Mm -hmm. title, you know? So, dude, I cannot believe you are an ultra. What is your best... Ultra time. Well, that, the the whole amazing.
2: idea of that that podcast was based on people that I could identify with, and you wouldn't have come on the show.
0: No, no, <laughs> not, not with my
2: mileage. Well, no, because you're fast,
0: that, dude. The, I'm the, not keeping that pace at 26 mile clip, man. Oh, I'm, I'm taking bathroom breaks. I
2: know. Breaks. <laughs> like, I, know. Dude, I understand.
0: I'm, I don't but, think I'm going no, through that.
2: The, 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 people that I had on the show are the, the, tagline of the store the show was the real stories are at the middle and the back of the pack.
1: Oh, the God, people that's that so just true.
2: plod along. And so that's true. me. I am super slow. Um, I, my very first ultra was a, um, was a 50 K. And then a few years ago, I don't run them anymore. I bike now. But uh, finally a few years Smart ago, uh, I did my, <laughs> uh, I did a hundred, a hundred miles. And it took me forty two hours.
0: Wait so you did hundred miles it, not not on a bike. Like no. jogging, walking.
2: This was a this was a three point three mile loop through the woods, which that's the advantage of that race is you get to see the aid station every three miles. And um but yeah, it
0: was uh it took me a long time. And you're sleeping <laughs> out there? hundred miles? Like are are You taking naps? How does that work? I took
2: I took three different times where I took where I slept for an hour. That was it. Yeah.
0: What in the God's green earth would compel you to do a hundred? I'm sure you've been asked. You're already smiling. Like what (laughs) in God's green earth would make you subject yourself to 100 miles in 42 hours with three one hour naps? That's well, you're it's. I don't. It's amazing. You You know
2: when you do something like that. What's the next question? Wow. If I can do that, I wonder what else I can do. Uh-huh. And that's where, that's why a lot of people do it. Now for me, I always, when I was running, I had to be training for something. I had to, I had to have a goal, a race in mind. Right. So that's why that's all of my, all of the ultras that I've ever done. Uh, you know, I made all a training schedule and I kept to that schedule and I knew I was ready on race day and I finished it and I did fine. Once I did a hundred miles, I didn't have anything I'm not going to do a 200 miler Are you although sure? some people do uh but I I am not going to I'm not going to do that and without having a new a new distance a new PR to go for right uh you know I didn't have the incentive to do it I love to bike though so I do that every day
0: What's your biking record What's your stretch oh, of biking well,
2: that you're most proud of Oh probably like 50 50 miles something like that but every year there's a race here locally in Pinellas County in Florida um, it's called the uh, Pinellas Trail Challenge, and the Pinellas Trail is a 46 mile uh, bike trail, and it's all paved. And oh, nice. so the but the race is a foot race. It's an ultra marathon. So uh. what I do is every year I find somebody new, a runner, to crew. So I have my bike. I've got a trailer that I pull. It's got a cooler, ice, water, oh. food, and so I'm the bike crew for that person. And uh, that's always the Saturday before Labor Day. So it's coming up in a few weeks here.
0: Will it happen so, with COVID and all that? They're still yeah. thinking? No way. Yeah.
2: Well, you just, I mean, you're out running on a trail. I mean, there's a, there's a group at the start, but after that, everybody gets spread out. You're yeah. not, you don't really have to be near people.
0: Dude, why are you such a servant? <laughs> what sin are you atoning for, Scott? That wow, well, that's you a great question. A servant? <laughs>
2: I don't know. I, it's kind of weird. I have, I have a lot of empathy for people and I don't know if I should even tell you this, please. Um, break news. I, uh, I do a lot of work with the homeless. Um, there's a, um, there's a group over in Tampa that we've helped for, for years. And, uh, for about two, two, three years, every Monday night I would go over and I would bring three bikes over to bring to uh, to give to homeless people. And cuz I mean you know, people would donate them. I, mean, I still give out bikes, but because of the covid thing and all that, it's kind of been everybody's cut back and it's kind of been disbanded for now, right. but uh but yeah, I mean you see people that are they're trying to get work, they're trying, you know, trying to get a job and but they're just they've got they've they so many disadvantages right now and just the fact that they can bike somewhere rather than having to walk everywhere or trying to scrounge a bus ticket from somebody right. Um, a bike can mean the world. So I've given yeah. out like 300 over a little over 300 bikes to people.
0: And I love that. It's like being Santa Claus, you know, a bike. I I don't know. Does it triple quadruple succinct? I don't know what the times five word for that is, but like your, your area of opportunity. So, oh yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like compared to Absolutely. just walking compared to timing compared to is the bus going to be mm-hmm. on time if you're in an urban area will the train be here will there be a delay like it's it's the next mm-hmm. best thing to an automobile is a absolutely bicycle.
2: and it, and you don't have any expenses there's no gas to put in it or anything like and that And then you're so. actually
0: feeling good the only the, i guess the only issue is you may get a little sweaty or whatever as far as like or clothes you know that's it's amazing you bring that up i actually had a, a former guest um Blair. I can't remember episode. She might've been 24th. She was, um, she's a Canadian. And part of what she was doing is she wanted to start the haircut project where she basically had a mobile shower salon that she brought to places so that homeless people get a great shower, get a great cut. Let me clean you up. Go help yourself. And you take yeah, that for granted changes your whole outlook on dude, life. I mean, yeah. like, dude, you walk in with the job application, showered, clean cut shaven versus not mm-hmm. think about that first impression. And then now, once we got you there, let's think about the next several months of getting there on time. How huge right. is a bike for that? If you don't have, you know, other wheels, that's a huge deal.
2: Yeah. As long as they can keep it safe, you know, but it happens. There's a lot of these people that, in time, the, the areas of the city where they're in, you know, yeah. if they leave a the bike and don't watch it, it's get stolen. Or even if it's locked up, sometimes it can get stolen. So that's, uh,
0: that's part of the problem. But, but why so charitable, man? You're Catholic, aren't you? It's cause you're no, Catholic. No, no, <laughs> no, I'm not Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I feel, uh, I, I've been very blessed in life and I like to pass it on. That's all.
0: Got you. Dude, it's so, I don't know. It's so fulfilling. Again, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I know you're more of a computer techie guy, and I shouldn't say more of, um, like that's a bad way to put it. But it, it's part of why people I feel, the most part of teachers I speak to, so you get into it. like, And if you don't have that sense of service, I feel like you seek it as a human. I feel like most people, when your food, your water, your shelter is okay, Then you're like, well, what else is my purpose? Well, it's to help people who don't have those basic needs, Maslow's hierarchy, foundational kind of stuff. And it's a trend that I'm noticing where you're not exactly, like with your day job, you're not exactly quote unquote serving, but you find an outlet because I think a lot of people just look for that. And I loved what you said about the stories with the ultra runners where the real stories are in the middle to the back because those are the people who are, who, are been in, who have been inspired to stop doing what they've done, which is most likely unhealthy and will hurt them to get better. Mm-hmm. Like, right. dude, that, that that's a beautiful outlook.
2: And those are the stories that more people can identify with. 100%. You know? I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the winners of ultra marathons are doing, they're doing 50 Ks or 50 milers, and they're keeping that eight minute, nine minute pace the whole way. Well, mm-hmm. you know, people at the back of the pack can't do an eight minute mile, a single mile. Right. But they can plot along at uh, 10 or 12 or 13 minute miles and just keep going all day. So,
0: yeah. And those are the people who I don't know. Is is it I I don't like to seem pretentious (laughs) like they need something. But those are the people to me that need that encouragement of or reinforcement is probably the better word of you're doing great. Like just the fact Mm -hmm. that you're out here, just the fact that you're moving, just the fact that you care and are going keep being that and the success that they feel by accomplishing those goals. And almost like what you said about your PR, people cry when they set PRs, when they go from the back to the mid or they go from the mid to the lower front, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's traumatic for them. And it's it beautiful, it to and witness.
2: especially at at the end of a race where your your body is depleted. You yeah. are at your lowest point, and then all of a sudden, this wave of emotion comes over you because you've just completed this goal that you've been working on for uh, six months or a right. year or longer. Uh, I've I've seen a lot of people cry at finish lines.
0: How'd you? Were you always a runner? Were you a middle school racer? Did you beat children so that you could take their lunch candy? <laughs> <laughs> in races around the track, Scott.
2: <laughs> no. I did. Uh, you know what? When I was a teenager, I watched a movie that inspired me to start running. And that movie was called The Jericho Mile with Peter Strauss. And he was um, funny. We go, we circling back. I, he was wrongly convicted. And oh, so no he way. was in a prison. And the way he escaped prison, not literally escaped but he got out of in his mind. He w- he went out running in the in the yard. He just would do laps around the yard all the time. Wow. And uh, so that just watching that movie inspired me to start running, and I did. And um, can't say I've done it all my life, but uh, <laughs> it's always been sort of an ongoing theme. But.
0: I've you, it sounds the story sounds familiar, but I don't think I've actually I, I don't think I actually know it. It's what an was, old movie.
2: Yeah. The Jericho Miles with uh, Peter Strauss and Brian Dennehy.
0: Okay. What was he Probably wrongfully? Probably on Netflix or something. Do you remember what he was wrongfully convicted of?
2: I don't remember. No. Gotcha. And maybe he wasn't wrongfully convicted. I don't know. But he was in prison for something.
0: Gotcha. Man, again, that's, I don't know. that. So we were talking about this earlier, speaking to, um, I've had a run of people running for um, office in Delaware. And the prison system, man, everyone is just, I feel like society in America is just at a point where we're like, dude, something's wrong. And I, I've mm-hmm. heard statistics of America is 4% of the population, but 25% of the prison population, or has 25% of the prison population. And you get mm-hmm. into numbers about minorities and 19 times as many incarcerated. And you're like, how does this keep happening? Right. And, and I, I, that's, I guess that's not even a question. It's more of a thought, but it's just so, I don't know, man, it, it's, it's a weird conundrum. And I guess I, what I'm wondering for someone like you, because I've done a couple different episodes where I've had African-American males who have come on and then approached me and been like, let me give you another perspective to share. What it's actually like daily. Like, I have to teach my son. They'll be like, Sean, have you had to teach your daughter if she gets pulled over how to act for a cop? Have you had to worry about what she'll have to do to comply and how to de escalate on your own when things are getting ramped up? And I'm wondering for you, is that part of why you got into podcasting, where it was to make these stories? almost is more correct the wrong way to say it or to write these, not write these wrongs. Help me with my clunky words. You're a podcaster. Do you know what I'm getting at? Vindicate? No, that's still wrong. What am I trying to say? my,
2: my, the reason I started this podcast mainly was because these are stories that I wanted to hear and I didn't hear any other podcast really doing that. So knowing, you know, having had the experience of podcasting, I've, I've done it since 2012. Uh, I knew I could do it. So I've decided, okay, I'm going to make this podcast myself. And that was the main thing was to entertain and to, you know, to kind of satisfy my own curiosity about these <laughs> stories. You know, if you hear somebody that gets shot during a mass shooting, if I'm happen to be sitting next to that person at a party, I'm going to have all kinds of questions for that person, right. you know? And those are the questions that I wanted to ask. But then in a lot of these cases though, like that was one lady that I interviewed was uh, she had, she had gotten shot 12 times at her place of employment. Um, you know, all in one, it was because of she walked in on a mash on a, uh, an, an active shooter that she didn't realize it was there. And, Holy um, shit. so within her case, she wanted to come on the show because she has, uh, a lot of ideas about reforming, um, gun violence platform and a lot of, you know, common sense ideas. So, uh, that's why she wanted to come on, but, yeah, she was uh, she was walking through the revolving door, the front door of her office in Cincinnati, and um, she didn't realize she was on the phone, and she didn't realize that inside the lobby there was an active shooter, and she got part way through the door, and you know how a revolving door works the yeah. the the, the, the bo- part behind her had closed, but the part in front of her hadn't completely
0: opened yet. She was kind of in the middle of it, and, and the, they don't really the shooter- go backwards. Right. Like most revolving doors lock. Right. Like you can't. I don't I don't know. The she way. couldn't have anyway. But
2: in, in her case, the shooter saw the, the movement. She, he saw her coming in and he shot her right there uh, seven times. And she went down, but she was still conscious and she didn't know why, but she couldn't stand up. And she figured I'm going to die here. I got to call my husband at least to tell him what's going on or to say goodbye or whatever, because she figured she was going to die. She reaches for her phone. He sees that movement again and shoots her five more times. So she took 12 bullets. And finally, the, I mean, the police were there and they finally they shot him, but he killed a few other people that day. And she, But she decided right then, if I survive this, I'm going to do something. Uh, you know, this is my purpose now. And uh, so she's spoken to politicians and she's got involved and she has her whole organ, uh, an organization, um, for that purpose now.
0: So. Did, did she explain, dude, 12, 12 shots is amazing to me. Where was she? Right. Am, am, am was, I a jerk for saying, asking where she was shot?
2: No, I asked the same question. <laughs> she, it was mostly down the right side of her body. Uh, and it, no bullet hit any major organs, uh, God. miraculously. Uh, there was, I think there was one bullet that went in her left, like left part of her chest maybe, but it was mostly her right arm that took most of the, of the
0: damage. And, um, in the revolving door or in like, she got out of the revolving door into like whatever the walkway.
2: No, it was, she, she was down in the revolving door. That's where she like was. ducks in a barrel. The cop. Terrible yeah. analogy, but ducks yeah, she, in a barrel. Yeah. She couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. God. So, but yeah, that was a pretty traumatic story, uh, to listen to as well. And for her to tell it.
0: Yeah. See, my mind just wants to go immediately political with you and I shouldn't, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe it's cause I've been yeah. on this run of speaking to politicians, but you hear those things and you're just like, man, why? Right. Like, like mm-hmm. it, it seems so needless in a country like ours. Right. We're mm-hmm. so smart. Yeah. And yet
2: yet look at how we're, you know, we're so behind on every other country as far as how we've handled the virus
0: situation, you know, keep, um, keep going. Gun control, virus, cannabis mm -hmm. prisons, Mm -hmm. like the more, and that's, and I don't know about you, but part of, and it, I feel like we're very similar in this way where, and maybe I should put my glasses on (laughs) so we could be even more similar, (laughs) but like, I just have this natural curiosity and part of what I love doing about this podcast is hearing stories like you're sharing about her or learning from different people. Like why just getting to the point of, is this really the best? Like what is this about? And the fact that someone, and there are, so many stories that deal with, and I'm sure it was an automatic. We- well, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't say I'm sure I'm assuming it's an automatic weapon that wounded her. Like, I
2: don't know. Or at least semi-automatic, certainly
0: semi-automatic. So yeah. you, you just wonder, like, do we need it? Do, do we, the, it, I feel like America's pointed out five, six really easy things to kind of fix to help society. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just keep getting left with why do things like that keep happening?
1: Yeah.
2: So, I often, uh, w- people bring up conversations like that. with People that I know, I will often say, you know, we probably should not discuss that so that we can remain friends, you know, because everybody has such a strong opinion. Nobody's going to convince anybody yeah. else uh, that's on the opposite side. Well, isn't that uh, part uh, of
0: like, sc- isn't that kind of screwed up though? Because without the conversation, you can't actually have the change, right? No, I know. And, yeah. and and it's one of those things like – and I would be super curious. Were there specific things that she was advocating for as far as like, man, I don't I, – I want weapons. You can have a semi-automatic weapon without a burst fire or limiting clips. Were, mm-hmm. were there specific things that she got into that she wanted changed legislatively? Yes.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I don't remember what they are, so I don't want to try to God, recite yeah. them. But at the end of the episode, after she told the story, um, I asked her about that. You know, what are you what are you trying to push for? And her main thing was that, you know, people if you just go in saying, get rid of the guns, uh, get rid of the automatic weapons, the attack the assault rifles or whatever, um, nobody's gonna listen to you too because broad. that's they've already tried that. It's, yeah. and it doesn't, so yeah, she had a a lot more of a common sense approach. And, um, so you'd have to listen to it to, to, uh, to see what, what she's advocating for.
0: Do you remember what episode number it was for you by chance? I can look it up. Perfect. I just, just to whatever, plug it if anybody gets it. But to me, that kind of thought process, as far as not minute, but minute changes almost reminds me of COVID. Like, can you just wear a mask? So like, like, like just, just staying at home, like you go with these broad guidelines. You're like, it's too much. Mm -hmm. We can't fit everything in here. Can we just get a couple specifics? Hey man, wear a mask. Mm -hmm. Can we we roll with that? Can we see what Mm -hmm. that does? And if it works, let's enforce it. So I love the fact that she's trying to find these very specific, smaller things. And that's why I was getting into like, Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge um, weapons guy. But, you know, you've seen whatever clips, I've heard of bump stocks, I've heard of whatever mm-hmm. banana clips and accentuated right. rounds. And you're like, do we need that modern day? Um, that was me filling time. Yeah. What episode is mm-hmm. it? <laughs> it was uh,
2: ep- episode 23. And it's, you can look it by the title. The title is Whitney was shot 12 times.
0: God, The wherewithal to call someone after you've been shot seven times. Mm-hmm. Her husband. Um, did she get into that conversation at all? Or did you have her husband on? She, Were you able to, she
2: wasn't, she didn't call him then. She wasn't able to make that call cause he shot her again. So on the movement. Uh,
0: oh, I thought she was on the phone. Oh right. my gosh.
2: No, no, he, she wasn't able to make that call. Uh, she didn't, she didn't make a phone call until, uh, a policeman actually came and rescued her, brought her out. And there was another cop that the fun, the, the interesting thing about that was as well, that I had, uh, I got a few 911 audios from that incident, people that had called, but I also had all of the police radio uh, communication from that morning, from the time when one officer said someone just came up to him and said that there's a shooter in this building, till all the way through where, you know, they were directing ambulances to go to to where the, the people were and and all that, that's what I love. I really like when I can get audio like that. Cause it makes it so much more real when you're listening to it. It's like, you're there,
0: you know, dude, that, that was my, and I completely meant it to be complimentary about the Freakonomics thing. Cause they do similar things with their splicing. And I don't know if that's an yeah. industry term or whatever, but, mm-hmm. um, how are you, is that just a, um, what, what's the actual form? Like, a um, public informational act. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Did it's, I say uh, that right?
2: Freedom of information act. Freedom. Yeah,
0: freedom of information right. act. Are you just so, filing those, or how are you getting all this?
2: It every jurisdiction is a little bit different uh, oh, because. I didn't even think
0: it, about general, that.
2: I'm sorry yeah, to cut it, you it, off, in but in general, yeah, you're,
0: dude, you're dealing with counties, states, like mm-hmm, wow. Right. In most cases, it's the
2: it's the local law enforcement has their own records department, and they have their own nine one one communication center, and they keep records and. You just got to contact them. Uh, like, for example, th- that very first episode where the lady killed somebody or the motorcycle ran into her car, uh, that was in Texas. And so I contacted their, the Texas, uh, their you know, their county, their sheriff. And I spoke with, with a, a young lady. And um, she said, yeah, I'll have to check on it and see if we still have records because it was two years – it happened two years earlier. And she said, now, if I find it, back then we may not have – had um audio that was redacted which means uh, if if during that phone call if there were names of people stated or phone numbers or addresses uh, uh that information uh, they don't want to give out
1: makes um, sense
2: so right so she said if 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 it wasn't redacted then i'm afraid you know you're out of luck but if, if the audio has been, you know, they, they'll bleep out a phone number or an address or something, then I can send it to you. <clears throat> well, I told her, as I was talking with her, I told her about the podcast and what, you know, what it was going to be for and all that stuff. Right. So then I waited to hear from her and she sent me a CD with the audio and it turns out that that audio was not redacted, but she personally went to the trouble of redacting oh that audio for me. So that it was legal to send, and then she sent it to me. So I sent her a nice, um, I sent her a Starbucks gift card.
0: I was about so, to say, like you, you <clears throat> had to kick her something for that.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely, because she went above and beyond. But yeah, there's some places where, uh, like, like here locally, if I if something local happens, uh, I contact the sheriff department. If that phone call has any medical information in it that was discussed, oh. that violates the HIPAA. Regulation, and they can't give out that phone call. So, like, even if somebody says uh, he's shot, he's bleeding, that's medical information. So really, not valid, right? Something but yet, I've simple. had other ones, like the the one where the that you just heard, where the the uh, young man crashed his car into the river, and he made the call from the car, from the middle of the river, because he was trying to be rescued. Right. That phone call actually had his phone number in it. That's how I contacted him because <laughs> it has. He gave his cell phone number to the 911 operator, and that's how I was able to find out his phone number. But so so every there's a wide variation on regulation on what they can do, what information. Like in Tennessee, I can't get uh, 911 audio. I can't request it myself because you have to be a resident of Tennessee. So I have to contact a friend of mine in Tennessee to make the request and then get it to me. So really, there, there, there's always a workaround. Yeah.
0: How. i'm wondering now now i feel like you're using and this is complete speculation and i feel it's a complete lie but i'm gonna say it anyway how much better of a christmas gift do you give your connection in tennessee versus your connection in like alabama (laughs) i've
2: only had to do that once and it was a fellow podcaster so (laughs) he uh he felt kind of uh he was doing me a favor so (laughs) Hmm.
0: dude what an odd law in tennessee It's amazing when you go federal to state and that that's what I was blown away by. Like, and again, you do a great job. I feel on the podcast of splicing that in within the questioning or within the narrative that's going on, on your pod. And it's like, man, that is so much legwork. That is so tedious.
2: But man, I can tell you though, when I get, I had one recently where a guy had somebody uh, break into his house at night And he ended up, the guy was coming through the window and he stabbed him and and killed him. And that one, that episode was, I found it to be incredible because I was able to get three 911 audio calls on that one because this guy had uh, banged on the door. This was in the middle of the night he had banged on the door of three different houses and each of those people called nine one one. So as Eric, my guest was telling the story, he said, okay. And so this guy was, he was, he was um, on drugs or he was mentally ill or whatever. He went to the first house and banged on their door and I played the audio from that one. He went to the second house, banged on their door. And I played that audio and then he came to my house and I played that nine one one audio. And then he told the story about his, he was, I mean, this guy doesn't even have a gun. He has no way to defend himself. He had to go to the kitchen and get a big butcher knife. I was
0: about to say, do, do you grab the biggest knife in your butcher's block? Is that's that, all he that's could do. He Cause
2: this guy was, uh, he was just, he was screaming. He I mean, it, he was obviously deranged in some way. And, um, so, and he was coming, he was coming through the bedroom window. He broke the window himself with the glass and was coming through. And obviously what are you going to do? You've got to, you got, and the cops couldn't, get there quickly enough to protect them. So, what state is was, this happening in? Uh, that was right here in St. Pete in Florida.
0: Man. So, my and maybe I've been too biased with um a liberal media, and I don't know where you fall on the spectrum, you don't know where I fall on the spectrum, but if he's breaking into your window, my it it th- and I feel like this is sad <laughs> in in some aspects. Mm-hmm. I'm like should I retreat to another room and hold myself up and allow my home to be invaded because Texas mm-hmm. stay in your ground state, right? Like I feel like if I grew up in Texas, I'm shooting him, I'm stabbing him. I'm, I'm my house, my property. Oh, Florida the same way. Oh, because again, I'm yeah. in Delaware and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I, I don't, I, I don't know how I would act as a person, but, I also don't know what the law allows me to act as with safety right. without being right. penalized for stabbing a man coming through my window. Like I literally don't know in Delaware if someone tried to kick in my mm-hmm. window and came into my home if I could stab them. I don't know if I have the right to stand ground.
2: Right. Well, I I don't know what it is in Delaware. In Florida, if you if somebody is coming into your home, uh you do not have the uh the Uh, requirement to retreat you can defend yourself with uh especially if you feel your life is threatened right and in this case obviously it was and um i mean it's certainly nothing that this guy wanted to do or
0: dude i was about to ask how did he cope with that like taking hmm. someone's life like that
2: yeah well it's the the way it happened it, it, it he he was able to deal with it because of he knows he had no other choice justify yeah,
1: right. and
2: that's what kind of that that helps in coping with these things afterward that uh you know the, the, he and his wife were the only ones there and the guy was coming in and he was obviously out you know he was mentally ill he had just he, he lived it turns out he lived in a, a halfway house that's like behind their house it was like on the street the next street over and he had broken out of there earlier that evening, mm. and um, so he was just trying to, trying to get in somebody's house, and who knows why. But that's all that's all he could do. So, but you when you when you mentioned before some of these stories, you got to ask the big question is why. Right. Well, that was probably the most unusual episode I've ever done. That's the question that everyone asks when they find out what this episode was about. And that episode is called shiny ate his own foot.
0: (laughs) Did you mean to make me laugh by bringing that up?
2: (laughs) Well, this isn't, it's funny that a lot of the episodes I do are about death or, or injury or, you know, some dark topic. And this kind of is too, but, um, what this guy was, uh, he and his friends, had always had this conversation, maybe not always, but they had talked about it before. That like a hypothetical situation, a hypothetical thing. If you had the opportunity to <laughs> taste human flesh, oh God, and it was legal and um oh. ethical, oh. and maybe even healthy, oh. would you do it? And Most of the people, they said, "Mm, yeah, I'd I'd try it probably.
0: Wait, wait, wait. wait, Most people. In his group of friends. What the the, fuck? This was a conversation that they Can I get a regional, like, tell me this is Florida. It's a Southern person. It's got to be someone in the South. I
2: don't, this guy kept his anonymity. I verified the story, but I don't even know what state he's in.
0: Man. But this is
2: a, this is an educated person. I mean, you hear when you talk, when you hear him talk. He he's not some uh, hillbilly or anything like that, and 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 his friends are as well. But I mean, they said, sure. I mean, they're they're adventurous people. They'll try new things and there's no way knowing, knowing, oh obviously it's never going to happen. So no. you know why not say sure? Well, this guy had uh, was in a, a motorcycle accident, and he had to have his foot amputated. And while he was at the hospital, he said, hey uh, to the hospital. Can I have my foot?
0: Stop, and stop where you're going right now. Oh my God. They, they
2: had, they had his foot in, you know, it was refrigerated and, uh, and he had to fill out some paperwork, you know, to just let, release them of any liability or yeah. anything like that. FDA but has to, to sign
0: off of it. Sure. But I mean, Come on. It's his foot. I've I've gotten into Uh, this discussion. It's crazy. Like when you ask for body parts or like if you're shot uh or like if you have an organ removed, it's like, what happened to my liver? Where's my spleen? Right? Right. Can I get it? I I want to put it in a lava lamp. It's mine.
2: Right? It's not your property. (laughs) So so anyway, he was able to take his foot and then he called up his friends and said, hey, you remember that conversation we had? (laughs) And uh, so – he said, "Are you up for it?" And they all agreed.
1: No. So foot they to
2: the had, fire, um, they agreed. <laughs> and and one of his friends is a is actually a professional chef. Oh my! God. So they Pig. all came over for brunch. Pigs in a blanket. What's that? <laughs> Pigs in a blanket? <laughs> oh, no. no! They actually they they called it foot tacos. <laughs> so. And it wasn't, it's not like a full meal, but it was enough that they, that all, it was like 10 of them and it was enough that they could, they could all have a, you know, a good solid bite, but they, they, the chef cooked it up and, um, you know, put some spices, not too many because, you know, they wanted to actually,
0: you you know, what did it taste like? Apparently it's like Kobe beef. You got to know what it is.
2: Well, I asked him what it tasted like and he said, um... Uh, he said what it reminded him of was heritage pork.
0: Heri- I don't know and what I heritage pork is.
2: I don't either. I don't know what that means, but apparently it has a particular flavor.
0: Yeah. And
2: I don't eat pork. I'm a vegan. So Are you uh, really
0: a vegan? Wow.
2: Yeah. So, um, but, you know, he said, and that's what he asked me. He said, "What? what if... He turned it around and said, well, What if this opportunity was presented to you? Would you
1: do Fuck this? No. And that
2: was, that well, that was my defense. I said, Well, I'm vegan, so oh, I don't eat stop. meat and but he was ready for that. He said, Now wait a second. People that are vegan don't eat animals because animals cannot give their consent.
0: Oh and is that way can I pause you there? Is that sure that is like the actual philosophy behind it for you? Like, like you're like this, this hen didn't want me to eat her egg. Had she wanted me to, I would. Right. But it's impossible to ask
2: them that question, obviously. And animals are sentient beings. They will avoid pain and death and, and we don't need to eat them, but that's a whole other, whole other subject. And I did my hundred mile ultra
0: marathon on a completely plant-based diet. Dude, I, I, again, a complete and not to hijack, but to kind of hijack, I went (laughs) through like a week and a half stretch where I was right on the border. I was right on the border of being like, I'm out. I'm done with meat. It's just too much. It's just too much. There's just too much shit that these animals go through eat. Mm -hmm. And it's probably not even healthy. And you know what? My, you know, what kept me on board? Canines. Canines. I look, I, I looked at my incisors And I said, you know what? I got Oh, your teeth. Okay. I thought you meant
1: dogs. No, I got,
0: yeah, because the dogs were tasty as hell, too. I'm a huge Mm -hmm. Chinese food fan. No. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, dude. I looked in the mirror and I was like, you know what? These teeth were meant for meat. But then I get to my back teeth and I'm like, you know what? They're about cracking nuts. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're they're not meant. And oh my God. I I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hijack. That with heritage pork, I know now To if I ever see a label for heritage pork, I'm going to stay the <laughs> fuck away. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not tasting that stuff. Apparently it tastes like uh, human foot. Oh my maybe, God. I
2: don't know. But yeah, that was an interesting one. There's a lot of, so, a lot of dark humor, uh, during, at that, at that meeting or at that lunch. Um, she well, said, she said one of my friends, um, it was kind of, it was kind of, uh, Chewy, not chewy, um, stringy, and one of my friends foot. had to spit me out.
0: And, you know, so, Dude, do you so. think of the foot? What would – so uh, before – yeah, I guess I might as well stay there. Like what would be less appealing? Like would the human hand be like the chicken mm. wing? Like I love chicken wings. I don't know when the last time you had a chicken wing. When was the last well, time you had a chicken wing?
2: I don't know. I've been vegan since – January 1 of 2016. So it would be well before that. I wasn't really a big fan of chicken wings
0: anyway. Man, dude, the the bone and the sauce. But it, like I'm wondering on a human body, what would be the worst? Like pig's feet, pig's snout? I'm not about that. Mm-hmm. You know, cow tongue? I'm not about that. <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. what would be the least appetizing human what do we, what do you even call it? Or it's not an organ, like, like piece of meat. God (laughs) foot would have to be down there. Right. Like, well, that's all they had.
2: Right. No, (laughs) no, no, no.
0: Right. But you're like, you're basing your judgment on how good human meat tastes based on, I feel like one of the worst, like you'd have to go rump. Right. Like <laughs> you did. Right. Like, like what, what did the Dahmers do? What was, what was that famous, the Jeffrey Dahmer party, right? Like that one right. you learn about. Like, no, Jeffrey
2: Dahmer was a, a serial killer. Serial who was killer. A cannibal. Who, who am the I the Dahmer thinking? party was the Donner. Donner, Donner. party. Yes. That yes. was the, yeah. The people that were traveling across to, to out West. In and, the plains.
0: Yes. So like, what yeah. was their premier choice? Like, what did they go for first? I guarantee you it wasn't the foot. Probably not,
2: I, but I have to say this conversation has gone ways that I never would have expected it
1: to.
0: <laughs> Dude, I, I think like you, like now I'm, mm-hmm. now I want to like get all it. What did you say? And that's where I cut you off. What did you say when he was like, but I give you my consent to feast upon myself? <laughs> like, how do you, how do you reply to that? I said, I probably
2: still wouldn't. But Probably. I don't know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the kind of person that likes to try new things too. So I, I, I wouldn't rule it out.
0: So if it, if it was in like a nice rice roll with a little wasabi, teriyaki, you throw some, uh, carrot shavings, maybe a tofu topping, black pepper mm-hmm. encrusted, Cajun, Cajun. How would you feel about that? A little, to- a little, a little like pinky toe pinky toe sushi roll now you're making me hungry (laughs) dude could you imagine oh my god that is oh how jesus how do you eat and the dude literally ate his own foot yeah how do you live with yourself How, how are you okay with consuming yourself no judgment I just don't get it.
2: You got to you got to think, you know, when you're at a party and somebody's telling a great story, you know you always know you've got a better one.
0: <laughs> I don't want that to be my better story. <laughs> I want to do something like an ultra marathon. <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't want to like I'd rather drive around on like neighborhood watch hoping to save someone from a burning car then be like oh that's hilarious but you know what's better the time i made beef jerky out of my achilles tendon it was amazing <laughs> and then it's just like what and then, and then you know you're not going home with any of the women in the party that night like that's a be true. that's that's a show stopper <laughs> oh my god dude how did you find that well what was the news article that allowed you to find this person?
2: That was not in a, in a news article. He actually did an AMA on Reddit.
0: Wait, what's in? No, I'm um, not at all.
2: Oh, you got to get on Reddit,
0: man. No, I, I'm R-E- so scared. I've heard, and I'm so scared.
2: Oh, there's r e d d i t dot com, yeah. and there are there are individual discussion groups. There's thousands and thousands right. of them on any topic you can imagine. And, uh, but anyway, one of the uh, rooms, they call them subreddits. One of them is called AMA and it stands for ask me anything. And so people go in there and say, Hey, I, uh, I just did this thing or I'm, this is something unusual about me. Ask me anything. And people find if they find it interesting, they'll go and ask him questions. Gosh. Well, this guy said, uh, I ate my own foot, ask me anything. And I saw him in there ask, answering all these questions. And
0: I said, Hey, how would you like to come on a podcast? And he said, sure. Fuck. Yeah, he did. If he's posting that. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. If somebody does an AMA, you know that they are absolutely open to talking about about. that story. So that usually is a, a pretty good indicator.
0: Do you have like a a moralistic fuck? No. Like, is there something someone could go through where you're like, man, I'm not I'm not down with you telling your story? And I'll ask that while you're thinking about it. I've asked myself that because if I get likes, if I get follows, I'll send a message because I'm just starting off and I'm like, Hey, really appreciate the like, if you ever want to come on the pod, feel free to come on here, are some links, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. I did it and I sent it. And then I looked at who I sent it to. Cause I don't click the profile. I'm just like, whatever I, I schedule my day and I'm like, Hey man, this 30 minutes of my day, I'm going to respond to whatever gets, I guess, interacted with. Right. So I, I click on this person and he's like pro nativist pro white. And I'm like, Oh shit. I just asked the mm. fucking racist <laughs> to come on and like share views. And I'm, and I'm like, right. please don't respond. Please don't respond. Please don't respond. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm like, at, at some point I want to be like, yeah, I guess you can come on, but I don't think I'm going to be cool with you. Like, like I'm not going to be, tell me, oh, I'm open to your ideas. I feel like I'm going to be extremely adversarial to you and it's not going to be pleasant and let's not do it. I'm just going to dodge you. So I'm wondering with you going through these stories, are it, do you have a quote unquote line in the sand? I guess it would be metaphorical line in Mm -hmm. the sand.
2: Well, there's a couple of ways to look at that. Uh, One is, um, would I, are there stories that I do from, would not do from a moral standpoint, but there are, there are a few types of stories that I, I get pitched all the time that I reject. Uh, one is paranormal. I don't do anything paranormal because you can't verify anything. Um, number two is I don't do any stories that are primarily medical related because everybody has a story like, you know, I had this disease five years ago and the doctor said I wouldn't live six months and now here I am. And I'm miraculously, I recovered. I just don't find it interesting enough. Because gotcha. there's, so, there's so many of them. And my whole thing with this show is never be boring. Mm. I want people to look at, like, you know, when you when you look at your phone and you see the new podcasts that have come in that day, the ones that you subscribe to, I want people to look down, you know how you cherry pick some, like I've subscribed to a lot of shows, but I don't listen to all the episodes because right. I look at the title and see if it looks interesting. Well, I want people to look at my new episode title and say, oh man, I have got to hear that story. And so that's the reason I don't do some of these kind of stories. I also don't do stories that are uh, primarily sex related. Or oh. if someone, if a story starts out, I was so drunk one day, you wouldn't believe what I did. Well, that is completely boring to me. Who cares? So I don't do those kind of stories. But from a moralistic standpoint, there's another podcast that I listened to who did a story that he it was a lot of controversy because he did it. And this was a priest telling the story of he when he, how he sexually abused one of the altar boys.
0: Stop, dude! Now he, he came. He literally, I uh, shouldn't. It even was him you off. telling the story Jeez.
2: firsthand. And I mean, at this point, this had happened long in the past. I don't know how long ago, but he was, you know, he was remorseful from it, and he had gotten caught. And I don't know what, I don't remember what his uh, uh, punishment was, but um, typically the Catholic church, unfortunately doesn't really um, go all the way as far as
0: punishment. Yeah, You're so politically correct with that. I I feel, and I I have not to my (laughs) ignorance. I I went to Catholic school. I'm not a Catholic now. And now I feel bad that I said that, are you a Catholic? Because (laughs) (laughs) the stigma that goes along with it, but everything that I've, whatever just grazed across there's so much fucking liability you're you're like how how Mm -hmm. all you are is left with all we do is trust you with faith right like you're in this esteemed position and the one thing is how could you let this happen that, that mm-hmm. I feel like that's most people's it's, gut reaction. So,
2: to me, it's not even much, as much letting it happen, it's covering it up after it happens. That, that's that's part what of, I guess, got the yes. real problem
0: with. That's what I mean with the how. Because, yeah, it's okay. broad. It's just like, how mm-hmm. could you let it happen? I guess not let it happen as in you're mm-hmm. consenting to it. But right. you find out you you don't you don't kick people out you don't get them arrested you're worried about tides you're worried about stained glass windows and donations exactly. like what the right come on yeah how, how about you care about people how about we go that that route mm-hmm. <laughs> like so, like you're supposed to that was part of the
2: controversy when this when this episode came out on this other show that you know some of his listeners said you know I I like this show up till now but I could not listen to that one and I'm unsubscribing. So he was I, a
0: priest that had a podcast following and then one day just decided no, too much no, 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 altar no. wine or he was a guest. So this is a, He was a
2: guest. Yeah. The the oh. host had him tell this story on the show. Wow. And, uh, so he, you know, I don't know. It's, it was kind of a, for me it would be kind of a toss up, you know, I mean, there's, really? there's yeah. I don't think I would do it, but, You know, there's two sides to every story. And obviously in this case, obviously he was in the wrong. There's no question about that. But is it something that would be interesting or enlightening for people to hear? Maybe his thought process as he went through all this? Mm, Maybe. I don't know. I take each one on an individual basis, I think.
0: That's, yeah, right? Because your visceral reaction is, Uh, Like whatever, any video that you see of a pedophile and you're just like, punch him, hurt him, kill him, Mm -hmm. stop him completely wrong. But then at the same time, if the individual is trying to expose the thought process, there actually might be some like safety precautions people can learn Mm -hmm. from this. Like the insights that this sick fucker wants to give And now all of a sudden you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. So if X, Y, Z is occurring, my alert should be on as a parental figure. And Mm -hmm. I like, there is some validation to that, to understanding the twisted way their mind works where you would almost, you know, what it reminds me of Mm -hmm. is, um, did you ever watch mind hunters on Netflix? Absolutely. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, man. Right. And like, Like, how are you doing this? Why would you give them time? Mm -hmm. All they're doing is embellishing. And you're like, but at the same time, don't we want that knowledge to then help us know how to protect ourselves, Mm -hmm. how to stop, how to understand and predict? That's actually.
2: Yeah, to use it for good. And I mean, one word that you used was sick. If this is a mental illness.
0: That's a good point, too.
2: You know, I mean, people that are mentally ill, in some cases, aren't held responsible for what they do. God. They have to, they have to be restricted. They maybe are in, a, maybe they're locked up in jail. Maybe they're in an institution where they're not allowed to leave. But if their mind doesn't work the way it's supposed to, how much do we hold them responsible for what they do? You know, um, you just so it's a it's a tough thing. You know, um, if they're if they're if they really are sick
0: is that their fault? Is that something the, the, you would try to verify? Like you would ask them, have you been diagnosed with whatever <laughs> whatever that d- diagnostic would be the label? Well,
2: you know, I think the the big difference is, you know, there are people who are pedophiles and they recognize that in themselves and but they don't act on those urges. That's what I think really sets apart those that are, you know, and, and people that are, a lot of them, they, they hate themselves. They hate the fact that they have those weird sexual urges, but, uh, the ones that act on it, that's what, that's, that's where you, that's where, you know, obviously the line has been crossed. And, um, I don't know, I, I've never been, I've never had occasion to make that decision on something like that, as far as a guest on my show, but I'd, so I'd have to really think through it.
0: Yeah. There. Um, so again, to go to Joe Rogan, who is the pod father, aside from Bill Simmons, for me, um, Joe Rogan just had a guest on, um, and I forget her. I'm, I'm terrible with names. I forgot her name. She wrote a book, the end of gender and within their discussion and end of gender was more like the assault on binary. And how do we figure this out? What are the discussions with that? Right. But Part of their discussion was her research. She was in, she was in academia. Now she is a private journalist, but what she was talking about was it's almost been proven the lies pedophiles will tell to preserve self. And I've not mm-hmm. studied it. I've not gotten into it. Like I'm, I have no experience other than what I hear from conversations and listening to things but when you hear something like that, you gotta wonder what's the authenticity. And even when you go to mind hunters in Netflix, it's kind of the same thing like that, the two characters and I forget their names that they battled was how authentic is what we're hearing, what we're recording from these sociopaths versus how authentic and what is the reality? Even if it's completely twisted, is that their actual reality? And that's something right. you literally cannot know, right? Especially
2: when the person that's telling the story as a sociopath, one of his extremely honed skills is manipulating right? the person that he's talking to. Yes. And are you being manipulated? Yeah. Are you really hearing Deviant the truth? With that.
1: Yeah.
0: Man, dude, that's God. Yeah, I don't know. Again, when when I act, ax- and may- I got to get better. When I sent the, yeah, thanks for the like, if you ever want to come on the podcast. And then I click on my mm. man's profile and it's fucking like pro nativism, pro white. I'm like, whoa. And then I start looking at the videos he's retweeting. And I'm like, God, I just yep. associated myself with this kind of person. And it's the getting to know you pod. And I'm humanistic. Let me get to know you. Let me hear about you. I'm pretty open to things. Mm-hmm. I-, I felt like that was a line where but then at the same time, I'm like, I kind of would like to give this guy some rope to hang himself with.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and true. Like, but like, see, for, for, for me, that yourself. would have been an easy one though. If, if Unless they were, I mean, the, my whole thing is I've talked to people that have been through some kind of crazy event or something, Right. but for somebody like a story like yours, if, you know, sending out that invitation, I would, if I found out later that they were, uh, you know, the part of the clan or something, uh, <laughs> I would say, sorry. Um, I have to retract cause I didn't realize I didn't know this about you. Yeah. Block. I, I wouldn't, I, I don't want to give them a platform.
0: Right. You know? Yeah. So. To spew hate. I like, I'm definitely right. not about hate, Right. but it, it's an interesting thing if you're podcasting cause ultimately, and I don't know, um, monetarily what you get for yours, but one of my goals is, you know, you want sponsors, you want ads. Well, everyone I've spoken to, what's the number one question they ask? How many downloads? What are your numbers? So, what does that lead you to do? It's like you almost have to clickbait, almost like what you're saying with titles, not to put words in your mouth, but Mm -hmm. you want to be interesting to get through the wave of choices. Mm -hmm. So, it can lead you to these weird choices of guests because you're like, dude, that's hella interesting. I want to, like, I I could ask questions about that. I want to know about that story. And it's something that I've been, thinking about as I keep getting more guests and people approaching me to come on is do I have a line? <laughs> like, like, am mm-hmm. I agnostic? Am I atheist? Like what is my moralistic <laughs> podcast religion line? You know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I yeah. was asking.
2: Yeah. It's uh it's, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of factors to consider.
0: You really don't sure. think I'm, I'm really interested. I've actually had a paranormal, um, exploratist who tries to be very scientific on this podcast. And I'm interested. You don't think you can verify paranormal, paranormal activity, huh? No.
2: Wow. I mean, look, the amazing Randy had a a reward in escrow for anyone that under controlled conditions who could demonstrate telepathy or telekinesis or ESP, any of that stuff it never got claimed.
0: So what was the and it, reward? It, it, it Cash. No, no. You know, but it was like, like how much
2: it, well, initially I think it was 25,000, but, and it, it, it grew. It was, it was several hundred thousand at least, I think. Oh, wow. And, um, never got claimed. So now if somebody, obviously if somebody, and, and what would happen is, you know, these like, you know, fortune tellers, astrologers or whatever, um, you know, they can, they can talk a good game, but then under controlled conditions, they, they don't come through because they're all fakes.
0: So it's the controlled conditions. Even when they do right. the whole thing of like, it's just our team and we're all on camera. You're not taking that as a controlled condition. Not at all. That's not the way science works. Oh.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it has to be uh, a repeatable thing and... Yeah. I mean, yeah, all the conditions, you know, for for me to test or to, to prove that gravity is going <laughs> to drop this pen, I can do it and I can repeat it. And, 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 it's, and you don't have no to have a pen.
0: You can take whatever right. and it can but, be repeated. Right.
2: But if somebody's saying I'm talking to your, your brother who died 10 years ago, he's speaking to me from beyond and he's giving me this message. It's something about, you know, and they're so good at, at manipulating and making it seem like they're really coming up with something or communicating something, right. but none of that is quantifiable or verifiable. And um, so you no, know, I don't want to, it's like listening to somebody talk, talk about a dream. You mm. know, nobody wants to hear your dream
1: because
2: <laughs> it's, it's completely meaningless and it's just silly and there's no point to it. So I, I get bored with that. So I don't, I don't do stuff that bores me. I, I, yeah, I try right? to stick with stuff that I find really interesting.
0: Man, that's interesting. So you would not, you don't, um, you don't believe in ghosts. You don't believe in spirits then, huh? No. Wow. Show, show me a spirit. I, that's the whole point. Can, can you demonstrate it? If so, I mean, you're what, a 1500 miles away. Maybe if we could meet up somewhere in North Carolina and I could bring some mushrooms maybe I could help you to find the spirit Ah, (laughs) to help you to help you tap into the psychological aspects that are restrained based on your Mm -hmm. primordial survival skills. And I'm so stretching to try to argue the point. Right. (laughs) Right. But well, well, like that's man, that's, I mean, honestly, like, dude, if you go with the theory of science is repeatable, which that is what science is, right? Like it's a theory. If it is repeatable, we don't say it's a fact. We say it's a theory, which is a predicted result of an outcome mm-hmm. because it's been repeated. However, many times it ha- like Sasquatch, Bigfoot, Loch Ness, right. ghosts, Ghost spirits, not repeatable, man, not repeatable.
2: Yeah. Not at all predictable or repeatable and wow. or UFOs, you know, same thing.
0: Wait, no, you can't to go with, didn't the, Didn't the department, like, didn't the government literally just come out with the tic-tac footage? I mean, you saw that, right? And, and,
2: okay, so now we're going to get into you believe what the government says.
0: Oh, (laughs) dude, if you don't believe the government, how do you believe these people? Seriously,
2: seriously when a politician is campaigning and makes promises about what they're going to do if they get elected, does anybody, anyone in the world, take them seriously and expect them? I mean, Hillary is not locked up. You know, that was one of the big promises. And
0: wait, have uh, you been to the wall? Cause I've heard it's built and I've heard yeah, it's glorious. I, I've heard it's the I best saw, wall ever built.
2: <laughs> it's not finished and Mexico didn't write a check for it.
0: And, um, and I've
2: seen videos of People pushing it over.
0: So, <laughs> dude, I've I've seen I've heard <laughs> I've heard stories of not even people, just hard winds blowing it over. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so, wait, so yes, then, if the if the government says something, mm, so what's no, the benefit to
0: them being like? So you're calling distraction. You're calling like magic trick. Look at my right hand, but the left hand's really going on. Are you saying they like? Oh, that's a standard
2: these, operating procedure.
0: Really? And I'm going to relent to your sage and your wiseness, not just because oh, of your no, glorious, do not because of your glorious gray hair and sultry voice, <laughs> but because of your intellect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're calling like a rope-a-dope.
2: Well, yeah, that's, that's obvious to, to me,
0: it's obvious when it happens. So you don't believe, like you really don't believe in UFOs or aliens or anything like that either.
2: Has it ever been demonstrated?
0: It just was.
2: Do we we, we have an alien? We just saw a
0: video. I mean, it might be released tomorrow, but we've seen videos of, yeah, the the, the aircraft that could not be explained. There are people chasing this thing, defying gravity and the laws of physics that they cannot make air really? like pilots who have gone on record
2: I saw, you know what I saw I saw a video um <laughs> and it was uh in this video the white house was completely Stop. blown up if you, if it was you, called independence if you day can it was reference
0: a will smith Jesus, i knew <laughs>
2: so um yeah Uh, video you don't think video can be manipulated i mean yeah i think we got
0: into that i can't remember if we were recording at this point or not with that but Mm -hmm. that yeah we were right because that was part of like earning trust with podcast guests like people coming on and thinking like i'm a russian bot and like i had to deal with that Mm -hmm. yeah i mean the video is not high def I'll, i'll i'll admit that the video, the video none, that I'm none talking of them about, are. It, it's kind of grainy. And and you're like, <laughs> why is the video so grainy? That's a great point. If iPhones can produce movies, how come a camera on a $1 billion aircraft can't mm-hmm. get me some decent resolution? Yep. Oh, Scott. And, but
2: you know, the funny thing is there's a, um, it, it, it's fun to believe and to want to believe these things are true.
0: You think but, so? I mean, it's not fun to me. Sure. It's very constraining to me. It's paralyzing it's to me.
2: It, we're we're talking about it. It's interesting to talk about, and people want to think they've saw they've seen something. And but it's funny here in Florida. There's this community up in North Florida called Gulf Breeze, and it's mostly trailer parks, and that's where all the UFOs are always seen. Gulf Breeze, Florida. And <laughs> I don't know uh, if you. Well, that's a whole other that's a whole other topic we could get into.
0: No, go ahead, man. I'm not. I'm. I'd love to know about Gulf Breeze. <laughs> I've never been there, but that seems like
2: that's where you know when people, it, 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 you know, and I don't want to stereotype people, but it's typically not your college professors who are seeing these UFOs.
0: Super analytical, you know? quantitative right. versus qualitative.
2: Yeah, and. You know, I just, I try to, I try to uh, stick with what can be demonstrated and repeated. And nobody has uh, interviewed an alien on the Joe
0: Rogan show. He's, so, dude, he's gotten hella close. He's, he's one connection. Well, he Elon Even, Musk, yes. But no, uh, that's, and Post Malone. I mean, those are, <laughs> that might be as close as we get. Mm-hmm. Man, when you said no one's, um, interviewed an alien um my mind and i don't know i well because i'm taking notes that's why my mind went there and i looked down and i saw the priest again and it went to my mind went to the jeffrey epstein series on netflix did you watch Mm -hmm. that i haven't watched that
2: no i i probably will i just haven't watched it yet okay so you know it goes back to the thing that you know pedophile and all that stuff. And, and
0: me, the the women came on and they came on strong and I've really, and that was, that's where my mind went when you were talking about the one podcast where people were like, I'm done with you. Netflix, I guess flipped it and empowered the victims to get them justice. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is a huge part. I forget what his partner, Maxine or whatever, the lady with the dark hair's name is yeah, like
2: Jelaine Maxwell. Yeah. Okay.
0: Maxwell. See, I'm, I, it's the gray hair and great voice, man. That just make you a sage. Yes. So like, I
2: just have a knack for remembering the names of sex traffickers for some reason. I don't know. Uh,
0: Cause you want to <laughs> like, in case you come across them, you're like, Oh, Hey, what's going on? And then you, yeah. they introduce themselves and you're like, let's get out of here, children. I um, just
2: hope she stays alive long enough in prison to, uh, that's Cop a deal of and uh, and name some
0: names. Dude, well, or, right? So, but the Netflix did not, even though they did give voice to his, whatever, recordings, affidavits, all, everything that could be linked to him, photos, they did give him a voice. It was a very indicting voice. Mm-hmm. And... When, again, we're talking about that priest, you you look at that and then you look at Jeffrey Epstein and I'm like, if Jeffrey Epstein wanted to come on and explain his side, who's turning that down? Because there is audio of news, like affiliated newscasters interviewing that guy and he's explaining how he's not guilty. And then you wonder like, that was okay.
2: Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a line you can cross to exploit the story. And, um, I remember an episode of Dr. Phil, I'm not a fan of Dr. Phil, but he had a guy, there was a guy that was back a long time ago was making videos, uh, bum fights.
0: Remember that? (laughs) I kind of do. Isn't that, um, there was one guy who wound up getting to the MMA, Keto slice I, I or Kimbo. Don't, I don't remember Kimbo that slice. I, I don't know if it was related to Dr. Phil, but he hopped on that, that wave Kimbo slice. And then he actually got to yes, MMA. Yes, Kimbo. Do you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I, I know I that name. The yeah. Wrong name. Yeah, dude, he like, I think that was part of it.
2: So this guy would just go and to find homeless people and give them 25 bucks just to beat, beat each other up and God. take videos of it. And he was making a ton of money from this. Right. Well, Uh, so Dr. Phil came on, wanted to have him come on and tell his side of the story. Well, this is what told me that Dr. Phil is just a complete scam that, you know, the guy came on the show and the first few minutes he starts talking about, you know, this is okay. It's, it's freedom of speech or whatever. And Dr. Phil says, get out of here. I'm not even going to talk to you. And he just kicked him off the stage. Dramatic. Well, yeah. So dramatic. (laughs) And like, He didn't know this already, what this guy was going to say. Yeah, because there's not like
0: five producers that are setting this up. Exactly.
2: He knew everything. It was just for the show. And I'm just not impressed with that. So, yeah, there's a, there's a, a line that you can cross from being, wanting to hear the story and maybe the reasoning behind what happened and even the drama behind what happened. Right. But you can cross a line where it becomes exploitative. And I try to avoid that when I'm talking to people that have been through something so traumatic as a lot of my guests have. And uh, so far, I'm, I think I've done okay with, with the ones. That, I mean, I haven't had anybody that's been unhappy with the way their interview came, came out. I don't even call them interviews. I call them conversations.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's and They sound more... They do listening to the two that I have. They do seem more conversational, although it is pretty. And I shouldn't say although, because I feel like that's like a wicked pivot word or something. That's like 90 degree left turn go kind of a thing, like Mm -hmm. militaristic. But I meant, although in the sense of it's super clear, you have multiple questions lined up to keep the conversation going, Mm -hmm. which to me speaks to your prep. And speaks to the fact that you're all about authenticating because that go- goes back to the Freakonomics thing. You really do ask questions that aren't just like, how did that feel? You're like, Oh, when the wheel weighed 2,200 pounds, what was the technique that they taught you in order to spin it? And you have like this mm-hmm. weird little insight fact that <laughs> lets the person know you can't bullshit me. Like I kind of mm-hmm. have an idea about what you're going to get at. And I want right. you to tell it, which is a great technique, man.
2: Well, I find so many podcasters, uh, it's frustrating when I listen to it, when you know they're, they've got a list of questions and the job that they have to do is they have to get through that list of questions. Uh, no matter what answer comes back, yeah, you know, they, the, the guests could answer a question and all their listeners are saying, Oh man, ask them about that. Well, follow up on that. But Nope. Next question on the list. And cause they're not really listening. They're, they're just going through, uh, through an interview
0: trying to get and, like the 45 seconds next minute and a half mm-hmm. next.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I try to definitely avoid that. I just, I, I like to kind of, I, I like to let the conversation go where it goes, but yet not completely off track. And, and I've had to, edit out big chunks of some of them that got off the track. But I mean, I tell my guests ahead of time, don't worry about saving time. Don't try to be brief, nothing right. like that. Everybody wants all the details. So take your time. This isn't a three minute news clip, right? It's a long form and you know, we'll just take as much time as we need.
0: Yeah. And that's honestly, um, what got me into the whole, what was it? 10 straight, whatever people running for office was that was my pitch. Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm in Delaware. Have you guys ever been on a podcast? I've heard you on news radio. It really sucks when you go three minutes and all of a sudden you get interrupted for a commercial break and then it's new topic. And I don't feel like people respond well to that. I I don't feel like people want to conversate like that. I feel like it makes them nervous. It makes them very topic oriented and you can't, Mm -hmm. Elaborate, Like, well, I mean, I, I guess that's common sense, <laughs> but like right. it, it, that's the beauty of this new medium that's exploding is mm-hmm. long form, contextual, understand what's going on. Take some time, relax and listen right. to a conversation. You've got, time,
2: you've got time to explain yourself. Yeah. And yeah, especially a politician. You know, their opponent is going to be looking for sound bites that they can use against that. Person. That's what I've noticed
0: too, which was hilarious, yeah. hilarious to me. And I felt guilty a couple times because I felt like with my, like conversational questions, I let them into spots where I was like, oh shit, that could be used against you. Fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could yeah. almost like tell yeah. a couple times when they started speaking, they like knew <gasps> if someone gets to like two hour and 20 minute mark, <gasps> this could be bad. Mm-hmm. Um. Right, but well,
2: if somebody's still interested, is still listening, like we've been going almost two hours now, it's oh uh, they're interested in hearing the conversation. I think you know, yeah,
0: so. yeah, that's a interest. Good point. Did you actually have you studied the effective length of a podcast? How much does time play into your editing into your episodes of what you want the, to do? And
1: the
2: the only time constraint that I give and and it's a general one is I try to only do stories that can at least take a half an hour to tell, you know, I don't want a story. I had, I, there's one episode that I did that I never, I never published because the guy told the story too quickly. And, mm. you know, I don't do 10 minute episodes on this show. It's gotta be longer than that. So, um, but that's the only time constraint. I've had some that are half an hour, uh, and, I, and early on, I had some that were shorter than that, but I just don't do that anymore. but I've had some that are uh, almost an hour and a half. and that's fine. There's never the, the guideline that I go by, I don't know who said it, but there's never there's no such thing as too long, only too boring. <laughs> you know, Dan Carlin does uh, hardcore history, and most of his episodes are three to five hours. and it's, he gets millions of downloads because it's, he makes it interesting.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if I'm at that level, but I'm definitely at that length. Um, (laughs) 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 but it's funny, man, just on here, getting to know you. And to me, it's interesting for someone like you who does have a really well-constructed podcast with a very interesting topic. To me, it's interesting to get to know your insights to get to know your thought process, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's like jewels. It's like podcasting 101 type stuff, right? Like right. master's class that you see people trying to advertise. How and, the sausage
1: is made. Exactly, yeah. right?
0: But hopefully mm-hmm. I don't turn vegan. Hopefully it keeps me as a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> but mm-hmm. that's, that's something that I've always wondered and had conversations about. And it got me to, so what I'll do, And you probably know this because I feel you're a man of science and you've researched what I pivoted to was like I try to find a 10 to 20 minute clip or section of the full episode. I released it the day before and then I released the full pod, which could be we're at an hour 50. So two hours to whatever. And then it's like people could get a choice of a car ride to the grocery store and back or they could have a really long ultra marathon, buddy. That would stay with them on the journey, and it gives them both like perspectives. But what I so fa- you
2: actually released two episodes for each conversation.
0: You'll have two episodes, my friend. You will.
2: I didn't realize that. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, public shaming. Shame. 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 <laughs> I believe. Yeah. No, but it's it was it, so I did that for two reasons to tell myself one, I felt like if you were going to monetize and try to appeal to advertisers, you wanted to have a diverse product. So I didn't want to just be pigeonholed as like a long form. You let people ramble on blah, blah, blah. You're Mm -hmm. three hours, right? Right. Two, you, you wanted to preview in order to maybe build up to what the full episode is. So Mm -hmm. you try to pick a clip that doesn't give whatever you determine the best part to be, but you want interesting enough that people, want to then subscribe, tune in the next day. Right. So I thought it was an interesting way to establish episodes, listeners, things like that, especially in a long form.
2: I have never heard that done before. That's interesting.
0: Okay. Oh, so basically you're calling me a.
2: An innovator.
0: Groundbreaker. Nice. (laughs) Appreciate it. I'll put that on my resume when I get fired by myself. (laughs) No, but uh, so that's interesting. And, but again, going back to the point about more about you, cause I feel you're way more scientific with this and thoughtful with your experience than I am. You feel pretty comfortable in that 30 to an hour time frame.
1: Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And very, most people, very comfortable with that. and is that research based or is that what you're just finding oh, yeah. stories to fall into?
2: No, it's not research-based at all. It's just uh, how long does it take to tell this story? And, you know, I mean, sometimes I have an intro that I write myself and then an outro as well after the story. Right. And that may, you know, depending on what I do there, I play clips. I I have a a special, a series called Raw Audio that I do just for my patrons. And it's 911 calls and the stories that go with them. And so I just do those as bonus episodes for people that are, um, you know, signed up, they, they, at least $5 a month with, with uh, Patreon. And so sometimes at the end of an episode, i recently, I've been playing clips from that show, the, the new one that just came out, you know, clips of the 911 call. Right. And, um, so that adds a little bit of length to the overall episode, but, uh, yeah, overall, um, you know, I mean, I've had, I've had people pitch me ideas, And I know just
0: from hearing it,
2: it's, there's no way it's going to take a half an hour to tell this story. Mm. And so I don't even, you know, I don't even want to try.
0: Do you feel, and I didn't prep you for this. And if you don't feel comfortable, don't, but again, I, I do have a decent amount of listeners, followers who are trying to get podcasts off the ground, trying to monetize, trying to make a little extra spare coin. Um, Mm -hmm. you mentioned Patreon and I'm not that guy. I, Think I I do have one, but I don't do anything. I have no extras. I guess maybe the short story or the full pot. I guess I could figure out a way to do it. I was really pissed when I looked at how much money they take off of what people actually put in. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, like that just like that upset me to my core. And I'm like, fuck you. I wanna like if someone wants to advertise, I'm gonna go more like the advertise route and try to build Mm -hmm. um listenership. Not saying that it's wrong at all. I'm not trying right. to like poo-poo it because a lot of sure. people I know are successful with it. So what I'm wondering is, do you have or what are your thoughts on monetizing podcasts for those who are starting off? If Can, can we call you Pop-Up Scott or is that insulting? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well,
0: see,
2: here's the thing though. You know, when you start your show, what, what advertisers want, it's like what you said earlier, they're going to, first question they're going to say is how many downloads do you have? How many right. listeners do you have? And when you're starting a show, you don't have listeners. Right. You don't have an audience. So who are they selling to? So that's, it's a common misconception that, uh, you know, the people see Joe Rogan and he gets his $100 million deal with Spotify. And all that. And man, I need to start a podcast and I'm going to make some money. You don't start a podcast to make money. Right. That's just bottom line. Um, it's I would say if I would say if you can provide consistent effort and good quality content, give it at least three years.
0: Oh wow. And so can we pause there? How long you, you've mentioned a couple different podcasts you've had or have. What is your consecutive strand? my like how, well my so you number had number of episodes you mean or yeah how how well you said I forget man I got to flip back how many episodes into what was that well, like are you
2: that was that's 58 58 I started that, I it 2 years ago okay. and I do an episode every other friday got you so it's been a little over 2 years uh and that one uh I and I'm not I'm not going to monetize that one with sponsors until I get to about probably at least 20,000 downloads an episode, because before that, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to make much money if you don't, I mean, you figure usually it's like $30, $40 per thousand. And if you get a thousand listeners and you're going to get a sponsor and you're going to make $30 on an episode.
0: With the time it it takes to produce one, man, it's just not worth it. And
2: is it worth annoying your audience with a, with a, uh, an ad when you're making 30 bucks from it, you know, it, to me, it's not worth it. So God. I'd rather wait till I get to like 20,000. I'm about right now, I'm about eight to 10,000. <clears> oh, wow. So, um, but it's, it's, and, and my first podcast, the one I started in 2012, which I also still do, that's related to my business. So I'm, you know, I'm not taking sponsors on that one. The sponsor is me. It's my business. It's establishing <laughs> myself as an authority. And, you know, if they need, I've got clients all over the country who I fix their computers. And a lot of people listen to my podcast. It's a computer tip or, or trick or security alert or, you know, something like that. It's, it's, it's a computer podcast for people who are non-techie.
0: And what's Just the name plain, of
2: it? Plain English.
0: Just to put it's it out the there. Com-
2: Sorry. It's the Computer Tutor. So every it's every other monday and um i've been doing that since 2012 and i've got 350 some episodes now and uh
0: computer but it's computer computer tutor tutor. you're a poet and you don't know it (laughs) well that's the name (laughs) of
2: my computer business so
0: (laughs) dude great name super catchy Mm -hmm. so
2: yeah i do that one and uh but that's, again, that's the whole point of that one isn't to make money from the podcast. It's for the podcast to generate business for my or new leads for my business.
0: So people share uh, whatever tip that you talk about blank with a computer issue. And then all of a sudden it gives you credibility in mm-hmm. order to then. Yep.
2: Credibility. And it, when they, it, when you're, when you're doing a podcast and I mean, you can write a blog, I've done a blog for 20 years, probably. And, but and because some people like to read. They prefer to pull it up on their computer, they right. read the words, whatever. Other people prefer to listen on their way to work. And when you are, as a podcaster, when you're in someone's ear, and they're hearing your voice, it's a different, intimate level of connection with the listener. Right. You know, it's not just reading words on a screen or on a paper they're hearing your voice, they're hearing your inflection and the words that you choose and all of that. And they, they really feel like they know you. Yeah. So when someone listens to my podcast and they hear my voice every other Monday, talking to them about, you know, here's what you got to be careful with this on your computer. Don't get this windows update, be careful and do a backup. And here's how, here's how you set up the backup, all that stuff. Then when their hard drive dies or when they need help with their computer, man, I'm going to call Scott.
0: You're the corner store. Yeah. Yeah. And you're the, you're the village guy that they have a relationship with Though They've never met you.
2: Exactly. Brilliant.
0: And dude, 2012 is wicked early to be in on the podcast scene. How'd you get in? It's not the earliest ones,
2: but that's when I started listening to podcasts. And so I came across this podcast called school of podcasting. (laughs) And I thought, Hey, you know, uh, and that guy—the guy that runs that—his name's Dave Jackson. He—he's uh, good friends with him now, and uh, he does it every Monday. He does a School of Podcasting podcast, and it's a podcast to help you start your podcast, grow it, and uh, and grow your influence. And he's very down to earth, very easy to listen to, and so he helped me start my first one, and and my second one actually, and. Uh, So for anybody that's interested in starting a podcast, that's the place to go, (laughs) schoolofpodcasting.com.
0: No, you're supposed to plug your own (laughs) podcast, man. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Dude, that's so you heard that and you were like, hey, I'm into computers. I just want to – like that's what I know. That's what I'm going to talk about. And that was your vision for getting – Additional clients, not trying to make you out to be like this money hoarding fool or whatever. I shouldn't say fool. This money hoarding capitalist, but uh-huh. you just saw it as another avenue to promote yourself that was actually free, right?
2: Uh, well, it's not completely yeah, free, not completely free. But uh, yeah. uh, you know, I but but yet, uh, yeah, that's what I that's what I saw it as free of restrictions. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep yeah i can say what i want and but i was already doing a blog i doing. i've been doing the computer tutor blog every monday for years before that and so now the blog i just kept doing the blog right but in addition to the written blog i would talk about that same topic and it would be the podcast and i would i send out an email newsletter also same monday which also covers the same topic. Gotcha. So I'm just getting people from a lot of different directions from subscribers.
0: What was the feedback in 2012? How do you know if you're doing good? Like uh, mm. God, am I an ageist? If I say like, there's no Twitter 2012, is there? I don't know. I, like, how are you getting feedback? I, I'm, not, into I'm how, not real big on
2: Twitter. Anyway, I have a Twitter account for this, for my new podcast, but uh,
0: how are you getting I, feedback on how people are feeling about it? Um, or you don't care. You're just like, dude, I posted it into the ether. It is. What I don't is. really,
2: that's, that's what it was. I didn't really care because anybody that heard and, and took value from it, even if one person did, that's, that would kind of make it worthwhile. And yeah, you're right. Back then, a lot of people didn't even know what a podcast was. Some people today still don't know what a podcast <laughs> is, but
1: Especially that's part nowhere.
2: of my education of people. You know, um, I mean, I, I, tutor people in how to use their computer. And a lot of people, I've helped them realize what a podcast is. I mean, podcasts, people that don't know what a podcast is, there's a whole world waiting for them out there. There's over a million podcasts right now. Dude, and no matter what subject they're interested in or how narrow the niche is, there's a podcast about it, almost certainly. Right. Maybe several. Oh, and, uh, without a doubt. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to broaden that out. But yeah, the main thing was to use it as a marketing arm
0: for my business. It's a great idea, man. And I feel like that's wicked early. Cause if you think of like an advertising advertisement on radio, whatever, a 30 second clip where you can speak about your business, mm-hmm. how do you know? Right. But if right. you have this blog, if you have this chain, if you have this connection, you can pump out that information. It's super smart. Mm-hmm. You know, very, um, very foresightful.
2: It's, it's paid off. for sure (laughs) and it gave me the experience the podcasting experience to do the show that i'm doing now which that's what i'm really excited about
0: yeah dude and i never even asked you like what got you into just weird news stories or i shouldn't say weird i feel like that's disrespectful unique well some of them are weird Okay. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for you know, validating. When a me. guy eats his own foot, that's kind of weird. Jesus, but that fucker! Like, dude, I'm I'm still I'm still skeptical. Like, if I saw him at a playground, I'm hopping in the car. I'm rolling out. I'm like, dude, I don't trust you. I don't trust you.
2: You would if, if you heard him tell the story. You'd say, wow, this guy's he's a pretty reasonable thinker. I
0: don't, dude. I cannibalism. So, is there even so cannibalism is eating. Other eating your same species. Is there a word for eating yourself?
2: It's, uh, I believe it's called auto cannibalism.
0: Yeah. See, I'm out. I'm out right there. I'm out. Mm -hmm. I'm out. Now, if you're, if you're a auto cannibalism, whatever the syllables are, the chunks, I put it as three. I'm out. You got too many, you you got too many chunks in your title for me to trust you, man. I can't. You you know what? You, you probably know people Stop. who are cannibals. Stop. You're lying to me. That That is not science-based. You do, cannot. Do you, give me a stat. Give me a stat and prove to me that I've come in contact with, I guarantee I'm not even six degrees separated with a cannibal. Really? Yes. Oh. You think, you think six degrees of separation, everyone would touch a cannibal.
2: Okay. How are you defining a
0: cannibal? You fucking need another person, man. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Yeah. A- a- any part of another person oh, or, God. or yourself. Oh my God. So what are you talking about? Like I bite my own nails and I there swallow it. Stop, dude. That's you ever, that, you no. ever
2: seen a kid. Stop. You ever seen a kid pick his nose? Eat and his eat own eat
0: boogers. No, stop. You're not going to get me on the technicality with your bullshit science. Oh, okay. So, of oh, okay. so, so some, if, some, so if you cannibalism
2: either. are okay for you then.
0: So uh, number one, a booger is not part of your body. Okay. It's excrement. It would be like eating your own shit or drinking your own urine to survive. You're not a cannibal. If you go in the desert and you drink your own piss to survive. Okay. Definitely not a cannibal. So that technicality with your scientific mind, I'm calling bullshit on. And you know what? If If you think I'm wrong, you can eat it. And you could be the cannibal with the six degrees of separation. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I can't believe you're going to try um, to go like thumbnail and uh, boogers to make a
2: cannibal. All no, all I'm just, all I'm saying is that there flesh. are, there's always a different way of looking at something. And Flesh.
0: I'm defining it as flesh. Would I, in six degrees of separation, find someone who has eaten human flesh Hmm. gun to your head. Yes or no?
2: I can't answer that. See, I'm okay with saying, I don't know.
0: Gun to your head though. No, that, that takes away the gun to your head bet. You have to make a choice gun to your head. You, you as an individual, you would be able to say, yes, I could name someone who has eaten human flesh with a gun to my head. Six degrees of separation. But me, Sean, Delaware, Southern peninsula, Isolated. More or mm. less likely, six degrees of separation. Would I know someone who has eaten human flesh?
2: You are now two degrees separation
0: because you know me. Is it two or three? One, two, three, two. Oh, fuck. Know, would maybe be three, through? but less than six. God, you and your science. Because I know the science. guy, and you know so me. So the guy would the guy so be counted as one? You would be two, or are you one and then? <laughs> I don't- I love how you're rolling your eyes. That, I, I don't know what the rules are that's for my the, the Kevin Bacon
2: game. Dude, you know? that's
0: my thumbnail booger picking excuse that you were saying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you said less than six. We know it's that. That is true.
0: All right. So fuck. All right. Gun to my head. Yes. I know someone who mm-hmm. would eat themselves. Auto cannibalistic. Mm-hmm. Oh God. How do we one, and,
2: and people who have eaten someone else because his friends were there. That's just one more degree. So it's maybe three or four. So I don't know. We're gotten, we've gotten way off the rails here.
0: It's you, do, here's the bigger question: What does it say about us that this is so interesting to us?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. It's why Inside Edition is a highly Dude,
0: rated TV show. It's the ultimate moralistic choice. It's like why did Saw? Why like I have you seen Saw? With oh, the, the, little, the movie
1: series the, yeah
0: the, yeah mm-hmm. there's fucking whatever 12 sure. I think I've seen one or whatever a hostel you know like you put yep. people in all these weird moralistic predicaments and mm-hmm. it's like what would walking dead did this all the time which made it so appealing it's like yep. what would you do what is yep. right right without constraints Mm-hmm. And this really is, maybe that's why we're so interested in it. Like this maybe. really is. That's,
2: that's I love Quentin Tarantino movies because yeah. a lot of his dialogue, and a lot of his scenes are, they
0: deal with things like that. God, Scott, you're, you just, you mind fucked me. And you know, what's amazing is I hit you with a, Hey man, let me get to know you. And then let's do your top three. And it was just like, brrrr,
2: We haven't even gotten to that. I made a list of three. Did you really? uh, One was the the 80s on foot. The other one was Whitney. Wait,
0: wait, 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 wait. wait. If you made your own three, which ones have we not covered?
2: No, that was, that was, there's only one that we haven't covered out of those three.
0: And what, what did it rank? One, two, or three? Two. Oh, so what was number three?
2: Um, Number three was, uh, Whitney being shot 12 times. Yeah. Number one, when you, when you, if the question is the weirdest story you've ever covered, number one is the eat my own foot. For sure.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So then, and I'm sorry, and I guess I should have done a better job of setting this up. So prior to us getting on this pod, I had this weird thing of like, Hey man, we'll talk about you, how you got into podcasting. And then Maybe we'll talk about our your top three weirdest stories to which mm-hmm. you were like, cool, whatever. <laughs> you were totally a surfer guy. Good job being sure. in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so we've maybe advertently or inadvertently covered two of your top three, which Whitney being shot 12 times. That's pretty weird. Dude eating his own foot and having a chef friend and whatever, pinky sushi, fucking tacos, that blew Mm -hmm. my mind. Um, Will I be able to deal with number two this late at night?
2: I think so. It was was one of my longer episodes, and it was also one of the ones where this was the first time he had ever told the story beginning to end verbally to someone because he had to go through years of therapy
0: after this happened. So I shouldn't make Um, fun of him. Okay.
2: This is um, this guy's name was Tyson, and he uh, was walking out from work. He worked retail, and he was um, he was leaving work one night, walking through the parking lot, and it was dark. And um, he was approached by a car, a Land Rover. Two guys were in the car, and they grabbed him and threw him in the car, and took him somewhere to a house. He had no idea where it was. They beat him and they did all kinds of unspeakable things to him. And he was held there
0: for a year and a half. Shut the fuck up. What state or what region? Washington. Wow.
2: And um, there was all a lot more to the story, obviously. Um, the guy that of the two guys, the one guy was considered – looked at himself as kind of like a, a cult leader or something along those lines. And um, so, yeah, he was held there. As time went by, uh, two other people were abducted and brought in, two women.
0: In this – In the same shared, house. No, well, I like – I, I shouldn't interrupt you, man, because you're such a good storyteller. I'm, like, <laughs> stepping on your toes. I apologize. That's okay. No, what's a question. I'm, like, no, like, I, I, you've seen movies where, like, different hostages are thrown in the same room. So, immediately, mm-hmm. my mind goes to, like, are they in a cold basement, like, handcuffed to a, some sort of drain kind of a thing?
2: He was the first time. When they first got him, they tied him up and assuming that he was going to try to escape, obviously, but he didn't even know where he was. And, uh, but then as time goes by, uh, there's a lot of psychology involved in this. And so these two other, these girls were, were not, not little girls, but they were, you know, they were adult, uh, females. They were captured as well, captured. And, um, they, they didn't try to escape.
0: Is that, what's the syndrome Well, here's the thing.
2: They, they would, they knew they would get beat or raped or whatever. So what they, what they would do is when they needed, when they needed to, they needed food, they would Tyson, they'd give him money. They'd give him exact change. He would walk to the store and get what he wanted because if
0: he took off, he knew the girls would be beaten really bad. He had that much of an attachment.
2: Yeah. So and he obviously he wanted to get away. Stockholm but, syndrome. Um, yeah, it was the Stockholm syndrome to some degree, and uh, so finally after a year and a half, and and by this time the, the girls at least one of them gotten had gotten pregnant by the guy, and I mean there's stories of the, the one girl was completely rebellious. She always wanted to get away. She actually snuck out one night, got in the car, and took off down the road didn't make it far enough. They chased her in the other car, got her, brought her back and she was tied outside to a tree for like three days. So, so finally, after a year and a half, Tyson escaped because the guy, Larry came home one, one, one night, he had a gun. He said, I'm going to shoot you. And so he said, oh, I've got to, I've got to get out of here. So they they fought. And anyway, Tyson was able to run and get away.
0: And this not is chased? This... So if they're chasing the girls, why are they not chasing Tyson?
2: They chased no, they chased him too, but he, rather than go, st- it was, a, it was a, a house at the end of a long road. And when she tried to leave, she went straight down the road. So you could see, and it was nighttime, you could see the, the car lights and gotcha. they were able to catch her easily. But he took off, I guess, through the woods or something and went out by the main road and flagged down a police
0: officer. Now here's where the story takes a weird turn. Please stop. Please stop for a moment. Can we, can we, can we recap, um, just to, and uh, Jesus, and it, like, I'm not to make light, but it's insane. Tyson is able to like, almost like I'm, I'm picturing like a prisoner on parole, able to go in and out of the home at will for, not at will, but when he's
2: sent somewhere, he's most of his time is at home.
0: Okay. So the, whoever his captors are sending him places in Mm -hmm. order to feed whatever run errands. Right. Oh my God, dude. So he
2: escapes. He flags down a police officer. The police officer does not believe his story. Matter of fact, since there was during their scuffle, um, Tyson actually stabbed Larry. And he told the police officer that as part of the story and the police officer's opinion was it sounds like a domestic situation and it's your word against his and um and tyson was and he brought tyson to i think a bus station or someplace on the other side of town and left him there and he said look if it's up if it's up to me Uh, I, you know, it's your word against his, if you want to proceed, but you might be the one that ends up getting arrested because you just admitted that you stabbed him.
0: I would love to be arrested
2: if I would have
0: just stabbed (laughs) my captor after a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Take me to court. I got another couple months, man. Can we please get this right? Oh Mm -hmm. my God. So, but, and Tyson at this whole time
2: is thinking I was so stupid to to run away. What's going to happen to the girls now? I should go back and make sure they're okay. He's saying I should go back and make sure Larry's okay. The guy that he stabbed.
0: He I mean, felt that. Think
2: about the. Like he yeah.
0: legitimately felt that.
2: Yeah, but I mean, after I mean, you've been every every day with someone for a year and a half.
0: Can I it's, pause you, know, you, or just to get your own ahead. thoughts, not for judgment on Tyson per se? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've given this thought because, again, aside from the gray hair, the sultry voice, you're just this uber intellectual. Why really. does this like happen? Baby. why how do you and uh, shit it I keep going to and I don't mean to minimize it but it it, it seems like I, I don't get why dogs who are beaten don't turn on their owner and I take that mentality mm-hmm. and I it's uh, it, it takes me to I don't understand how humans, who are treated this way can mentally get to the point. Thank God I haven't been there. I'm not, not saying you can't get there, but Mm -hmm. to the point where you actually care for those abusing you. Did you get into that at all? Do you have any insights as to why that occurs? Well, to some degree. Yes. Uh, I mean the woman,
2: one of the women who got pregnant by Larry, I mean, this is the father of her child
0: now. Oh my God. And,
2: Uh, I think I'd have to go back and listen to it again. They may have gotten married, but maybe not. I'd have to go back and listen to it again. But uh, there was some, there was some bond there, but, um, and, and, and he and Tyson doesn't really, the one of the girls, the one that was rebellious all the time, she didn't like either one, either Tyson or the other girl. And she was always trying to do stuff that would get them in trouble and that kind of thing. Um, but the other girl, Tyson has, I think he's over the years, he's been in contact with her a little bit, but it's not like they're friends or anything. But, um, so Larry was never arrested. St- he was never, Dude,
0: it, never it, brought to trial. It, it demoralizes me and I'm I'm sorry to cut you off, Scott, but mm-hmm. it demoralizes me to, and I want to say the experiment was Pavlov's dogs where it was learned helplessness where you got the shock no matter what. So you just learn to do nothing. What's the point? Yeah. And it scares me. It scares me that a person can get to that point. It really does. Like it mm-hmm. gun to my head. If I had to make a bet, I would, I would bet like, nah, man, people can rationalize and know there's hope, but a fucking year and a half, like to get to that point. Wow. wow. I don't think it would even take a year and a half for some people. Well, Clearly because so. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, um, no, please. Now
2: think about part of one of the, some of the questioning that I was asking him as he was telling the story is what about your family? Did they try to find you? Did they try to call you uh, your boss? Did he try to find out why you weren't showing up for work? But you know, this was a, this was a, a, a retail job, you know, and, people leave without giving notice
1: because
2: right. it's a crappy job anyway. And so it turns out his boss did try to call him several times, but finally gave up saying, you know, he probably just he quit and doesn't want to talk to me or whatever. So, um, but he, his parents, uh, Tyson's parents and his sister lived nearby there. So finally, when he got out, when he escaped, he went to his parents' house, his family's house. They weren't there anymore. They had moved. Oh, my God. He was finally able to contact them and told them the whole story of what happened. And they disowned him. This was a apparently a completely a religious, fundamentalist family. And because Tyson had been forced into these sex acts and homosexuality, Um, the, the mother's response, her main reaction was, do you know what this will do to our family? The people, what are people going to think of us? Wow. And his sister was saying that she was an only child because, um, they had nothing to do with him after
0: that. After just a year and a half.
1: Yeah.
0: How was the uh, dude, I've got to know more about this cult leader and how he was not arrested. How does that fucking go down? I wish
1: I could
2: tell you more about it on my Facebook group. This is the most controversially discussed episode because people are going to people, a lot of people have said, there's no way that happened. How in the world could this possibly have happened? Tyson made this whole thing up. Mm. And, but I got police reports, the address, the names. I mean, Larry is on Facebook.
0: Stop. And, um, so not that I contacted him, I didn't. So but, if I get him on the Getting to Know You pod, no, I'm just kidding. That's <laughs> oh my god, that would be a fucking moralistic line.
2: <laughs> mm. Holy shit! So, so, but any, but the nice thing is, though, people had all these questions and were questioning the, the uh, validity of the story and all this stuff. Well, Tyson joined my Facebook group and answered all those questions. Uh, okay. So not that, I don't know that everybody now believes that it is true, but, um, but he came
0: on and he explained as much as best as he could. Could you imagine having, we've spoken about this several times with people like reliving their trauma.
1: Mm -hmm. Imagine
0: Tyson getting on here and having to like validate what he's been through and having to prove himself. Right.
2: As if he needs to
0: like, man, like.
2: He still felt like he had to though. But yeah, you're talking about telling a traumatic story. The whole time he was telling the story, it was like you and I right now. We could see each other. The video wasn't recorded, but we could see each other. And um, at the end of the story, and he's he's also a really good storyteller. He has the good pauses. He doesn't have a lot of crutch words like, um, and, you know, and, and all that. And he had a really good mic. So the audio was awesome. <laughs> so you got to listen to it. It's a, it's a crazy story. But anyway, at the end, um, he confided to me that the whole time he was telling the story, he was holding his security blanket because that's what gave him comfort. And, you know, like kids have a, have a blanket that, that they bond with, and
0: yeah, how and old is he at this point? He's
2: probably thirty, maybe wow. thirty-five. I don't—I'm uh, just guessing.
0: And what's the episode's name?
2: It's or called Tyler. "Tyson Was Abducted." Makes sense. And that's episode twenty-two.
0: Fucking Larry! Why do I hate Larry? Like, why <laughs> do I want to just... Mm-hmm. How? How you didn't get into the why Larry was not charged at all. Well, that's, that's what it came
2: down to is it's one person's word against another's.
0: Where are the other two girls?
2: And, I don't know where they are now.
1: Stop. Uh, they were,
2: they were both. See, I think, I believe both of those girls were in the U S illegally. So oh. that's another thing that he could hold over them that, you know, if they did anything, you're never going to see your baby again. You're going to be deported. Um, you know, it's there's all kinds of other factors that came into it. God,
0: art, and this might be a really screwed up question. Like, it, my mind goes to where detectives and cops after a long beat go to, not saying that you're a detective or cop. Cause I feel like their jobs are way mm-hmm. harder, but in the same vein, hearing these kind of emotional stories, mm-hmm. like how do you come down?
2: Oh, <laughs> like, um, there, there have been times when a guest is telling their story that I've gotten choked up too. right? And not just with the dark stories, sometimes a really good story, a really happy story. You know, um, when they're, You know, you know, when a guest starts crying as they tell their story, it's going to be a good episode. (laughs) That's kind of a kind of a a litmus test sort of. But, yeah, I've had a lot of good episodes where the guest didn't cry. But but, yeah, you know, they're they're at that point. They're really they're reliving it. And. I don't know, I, I just for me, if I were a subscriber to this podcast, that's what I'd want to hear.
0: I'm just thinking of you as an individual counselor going through these therapy (laughs) sessions, you click off. What's the next half hour, hour, two hours of your day evening Mm. like after hearing all this heavy shit?
2: Well, yeah, it takes a little bit. You got to process it, you know, but, but it's like you, you mentioned cops. They have to, emotionally detach themselves same thing with doctors you know when they're dealing with people and somebody dies uh you have to be emotionally detached and I don't deliberately try to detach myself from these stories at all you know I kind of I try to just be be there and be someone that this person can talk to that will listen to them and you know I benefit from it because uh, it's a great story for the show
0: Yeah, man. And uh, again, it's something I don't think, and it's something I've discovered as well. And I'm not on any sort of level like yours, as far as like seeking out these stories, but I've come across people who you catch them at a time and they just want to talk Yeah, and they just need to be heard. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason you just keep listening because you're like, I don't know. Like I get this feeling like, they, again, I, I already said it, it's terrible wording. <laughs> like they need to be mm-hmm. heard. I don't know other, any other way to describe mm-hmm. it other than you just get this vibe like it really, really matters. This is mm-hmm. of the utmost importance to them to get this out. And I'm not dealing with, I've never come across anything like the uh, stories you've been talking about. And in my head, it would be, um, it would be very challenging to disassociate. And not like fucking Larry, like, how am I not like driving to Washington and like trying to like, like figure this out, like emailing people, right? Like, like, like it would enrage me to the point where you would feel the need for action, but you've already know action, action has been taken place. So Mm -hmm. you're almost like, what do I do? Right. What do I do?
2: And there's a lot worse people than him. I'm hoping at some point to have an episode with a, um, a man who runs an organization who rescues small children from trafficking situations. And that man, he, he deals with the worst of the worst. So
0: I've had, um, and I've not validated it. Um, but one of the, um, people running for Senate who has come on the podcast, Told me she went to the border and she claims um, she's found and seen and heard stories of children with tattoos across their chest with phone numbers because they're used as almost anchor babies to hoard drugs or to get drugs drugs across and then sent back and then reused and it broke her heart. She was like, I had no idea. Yeah. That this was going on, and whatever political ploy, non-political ploy, you 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 hear something like that, and you're like, the fuck, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it can't, you can't help but be stirred, and um,
2: and it's a huge business worldwide. It's one, it's a billions and billions of man, dollars.
0: Well, you hear this. about it with the Super Bowl, and it comes out like when the right. Super Bowl comes to different towns, like they follow that, and yeah. You just, again, I've not been on the dark web. I don't understand. I've never bid on a child through whatever eBay or Craigslist or any of that shit. But you hear enough from various outlets where you're like, there's some sort of system. Mm -hmm. And what, like, again, I have a 10 year old. What? What? I've seen the movie Taken. What taken
2: Liam Neeson? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's absolutely. And that's real. And yeah, it's a whole world that you or I don't know anything about.
0: Yeah. And so that's again, another guest, and I don't think it's on the same, like my opinion matters, but I don't know if it's on the same as the priest that was a pedophile, but it is moralistically, do you want to hear about this? But at the same time, man, if I know, I can then warn, what are the triggers? What are the signs? Sure. What are the things that I should prepare my child for in case someone does something? And you want to shed light on it so that it's no longer in the shadows. Exactly.
2: Yep. That, that would be the whole purpose of it. Right? Yeah. God,
0: Scott, how did we get so goofy and so deep so many times, Scott? I don't know. Fuck, man. So but it's it's we're we're getting close to the end here, right? No, we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Look at you. You're beautiful, beautiful, Scott. Two and a half. I, I, I didn't I give think... you the precursor, but yeah, man. I, I don't mind talking for um for hours. I mean, to me to me getting to know people who do different things in different ways and trying to shine light in a very different way than you do to me is super interesting, but yes,
2: sure. Oh, it's absolutely. And I'm the same way. Natural curiosity makes for a great conversation. Yeah.
0: All right, man. So I'm going to assume you do not know how my podcast ends. Correct. There's only been two, only been two. Kristen. (laughs) Uh, Episode 29 and Eric, whose episode has not been posted yet. The only two uh, guests out of 78 at this point who know how it ends.
2: And you know what? And I blame myself for that because most of the time, if, see, if I had approached you to come on your show as a guest, I would have absolutely listened to your, to some of your episodes, (laughs) but You know, I posted that thing on Facebook saying, Hey, have me on your show. And you sent me a Facebook message. And, um, don't,
0: don't try to get out of it. Don't, don't try to rationalize
2: it. I'm taking full blame. I haven't listened to your, to, to your
0: show. It's basically, it's a Warshak psychological test that will tell everybody everything they need to know about you. No, I'm just Uh, kidding. It's not that serious. We've,
2: we've we've lost a connection. What's
0: going on? I can't hear you. (laughs) (laughs) You're actually the smartest guest I've ever had on. (laughs) No, dude, it's actually a very, to me, a very easy way to end the getting to know you pod. So get ready to tell a personal narrative of yours. Okay, be at ease. Don't don't be scared. Can I get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last sponsored by abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. And I wish people could see your eyes.
2: (laughs) Well, first, I'm trying to comprehend exactly what that means. Like the first time I've done something. Exactly. Like a really
0: cool. So I don't need, I feel like I set it up with way too much drama that makes people on like high anxiety. It's not that. So it's the Mm -hmm. last thing people will get to know about you on this podcast. So when you're getting to know someone, what do you hear? You hear about their first times they blanked. Okay. Right. So what I try to do is best first for last. What's a really cool first experience of yours. That would be a really cool thing for people who end the podcast to know about you. That's a great idea. I like that. Don't I like steal that, it. Uh, Trademark. Trademark. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Yep. So
2: yeah, for me, it would have to be something that happened in 2003
0: whoa time machine
2: uh my birthday is new year's day
0: no way
2: January 1st and so growing up we would always uh on new year's eve we would go and my my family would go visit other families we'd spend we'd stay late into the night and I'd play with you know my, my friends and the adults would do what they do and and uh but on new year's eve i always had this thing you know you at, at when the when the when the time when the year changes of course everybody's around the tv right. watching the ball drop and in times square and so i always said i want to go to times square for new year's eve while did you and 2000 i was born in 63 so 2003 was the year i turned 40 on new year's day and we lived in Maine at the time. And so I said, okay, how about if New Year's Eve, we go to Times Square? And so my wife and I. Diapers and- packed. <laughs> <laughs> we took my wife and I to, at that time, we had two exchange students with us from Ecuador. Oh. And what, I mean, for, for, teenagers, never been to America before. What could be more stereotypical than going to New York city. Right. So, and, 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 um, and another teenage friend. So we had five teenagers
1: and my <laughs> wife and I
2: walking around New York city. Cause we got there the day before and, you know, just taking in all the sights and everything. And I was, I mean, I was responsible for all these kids. So
0: I was, you know,
2: a little bit yeah, nervous, a little stressed. I was count- counting to seven, over and over multiple times a day that, you know, here we're all here. We're still all Dude, together. You cross,
0: you cross one street in New York and you're praying if you have that many people that they all mm-hmm. make it across like you yeah. are, it, it, especially if you're not from an urban area like Maine, right. I'm assuming you're not worried about, we got 10 seconds, get here mm-hmm. <laughs> kind yep. of a thing.
2: And, and three of those kids are not mine. So, and I'm responsible for them. So, Extra. um, so, yeah, we got there, we, we had fun and, you know, when you get, if you're going to be where the ball drops, you got to get there early. Now keep in mind, this was 2003, two years after 9-11. Yeah. So security was still way high. And so they had, you had to get there early in the afternoon. And so we got, we got to the, we got to Times Square, we got our spot on the sidewalk and it was three o'clock in the afternoon, and I, I I told Francisco one of the one of the kids from Ecuador. I said, "Okay, Francisco, right now it's three o'clock in the afternoon. We're not going to move from the spot on the sidewalk Can I until pause after you? midnight."
0: Yeah, go ahead. How well? How packed was it at three o'clock? Was it easy to get that spot, or are you like yes? It okay. was pretty easy. I mean, it was it was I mean, it was Times Square.
2: Uh, so yeah. it's you know it's it's busy hustle bustle. You know, lots of people there. But we wanted to be, and this was a mistake looking at it in hindsight, we wanted to be right there where the ball was. So, ah. I mean, I, we had to look practically straight up to see where the ball is. Gotcha. You know, whether the ball is coming down. That was a mistake. We wouldn't do that again. <laughs> but we got there and we're on the, we're, we're in our spot. And I told Francisco, the, the, one of the kids from Ecuador, okay, it's three o'clock. We're not going to move from this spot until after midnight, like nine hours from now. And he said, oh, Mr. Johnson, you are, you're kidding. We're not going to do that. (laughs) But what happened is they had uh, pens, you know, like the movable um, portable railing that would set up to, you know, to, to keep people in a certain place. Barriers. They had, yeah, barriers. They, they had those lined up all the way down the street and so we we didn't stay on the sidewalk. They had where you went in these pens, and they had metal detectors, and you know they're checking everybody for weapons and all this stuff. And once you went in the pen, this was and we went into there probably like maybe four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Not soon, wow. Once you go in, you cannot come back out. Diapers. Because if you come back out, you're not going back in. Diapers. They'll let you out, but because because of security. Right. Well. At, once we got into the pens yes then it was crowded because i mean it was shoulder to shoulder and and it was interesting you know i'm a people person i'm like watching people and yeah, especially in new york city man what yeah. better place to watch people
1: no doubt and
2: so but my wife and my daughter well they had to go to the bathroom so and and the whole rule is you can't leave if you if you leave you can't come back in so uh they made friends with one of the local cops who was on the other side of the barrier there. And he allowed them, he brought them himself to the, to the local, to the little porta potty or whatever it was and brought them and brought them back. How so, kind. Yeah, it was, it was nice of him. So, um, so anyway, we, we were there all night, all evening. And the, the, the mistake that was being under the ball is that's not where the entertainment is. We could see like two blocks away. There was uh, Avril Lavigne on stage and singing, and and some other people. That's where all the you know where the cameras are with the with the uh, Dick Clark
1: thing yeah, and all yeah. that
2: stuff. That was all down the street from us. We could see it happening and could kind of hear it, but where we were,
0: not really. It was just a crowded dude. Vent. How are you getting food? Are there vendors? What are you doing? No,
2: no, we didn't eat. Stop. We didn't eat while we we're in there. Yeah. Stop. So, <clears throat> yeah, it was. It, we, I guess we were. I guess all the excitement. He didn't really think about being hungry, and he certainly didn't want to eat or drink anything because then you got to go to the bathroom.
0: Yeah, I so. was gonna. Well, that's the whole point of New Year's, to be honest with you, is to drink. Mm-hmm. That was going right. to be the next question. Like, <laughs> you guys are just. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, you so the time came. We
2: saw the you yeah, know we saw the ball drop. We looked practically straight up in the air and could see the ball drop. And uh, then all the confetti all over the place. And then we walked back to the hotel room and we saw a fight. <laughs> we, saw, we saw a street fight on the way back. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> but, but it was fun. Uh, I enjoyed it. My wife wouldn't do it again. She doesn't like the, the big crowds like that. And, yeah, but I, I, I love it. I thought I'd be, I'd be up for it again. Yeah. So that was the first time I'd ever been to Times Square on New Year's Eve. And actually the only time since then. But, and
0: you uh, would go back first. and you would just yeah. get closer to the entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Bring a cooler yeah. diapers or no. I've said diapers like 12 times, man. Would you be willing to use the diaper? If you could drink all night as a vegan <laughs> gluten free, you, you, you couldn't drink there. Cause there, you can't bring anything in. You can't bring a cooler in or anything like that. You couldn't sneak a bottle in like your pocket flask. I don't think so. Come no,
2: on. Man. If they, if, well, maybe now, I mean, this has been, this is right? 2003. So, uh, of course now I wouldn't go there anyway. And even now, if yeah. people from Florida can't travel anywhere without quarantining <laughs> for 14 days, uh, because, um, the, the virus. So, uh,
0: oh, what a world we that's live my story. in. That's amazing, man. Like you think of those crowd that that's a great perspective. You think of like COVID new year's Eve crowd,
2: mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I don't think they're going to be doing times square this year.
0: Dude, it's, it's such a different world.
2: Oh, maybe they will. Who knows? I mean, the Sturgis, uh, South Dakota, the, you know, the, the uh, Harley rally, this 250,000 people.
0: Yeah. Great. Great litmus test. Right. Let's, let's just, Mm -hmm. let's just do these little pockets out in rural counties and see Mm -hmm. what happens. I think the
2: the litmus test was the Tulsa Trump rally. And of course, Herman Cain was there, no mask in sight, and now he's dead. So, but we don't want to get political here. (laughs)
0: I kind (laughs) of, I kind of like poking fun. I don't take political sides, but I love making fun of stupid political stances. (laughs) Yep. They, they bring it on themselves Dude, They so do God. It's Mm -hmm. like they have, I, and it's, it, whatever it's, it's the getting to know you pod. And I don't mean to plug others, but I've been very interested in how many people running for office are so against the established because What do they know? What have they been through? Do they know Mm. what people, the people voting for them, do they know what they are going through? And that was something that I didn't, I've realized, but I didn't hear vocalized until Mm. I spoke to so many people running for office. And it was like, I feel that's almost like state. I feel like that could be a commonality across states. Like you have these incumbents that are just like the chosen child and What do they know? What do they know about an average person if they went to an Ivy league school and then they got into political office and now they're 60 years old as a white male. And what have they done in the real world to get to New York and see a ball drop like that experience alone would how many representatives have done something like that to understand what people go through. Yeah. Who knows? Probably, well, <clears throat> I have no idea. Handful. But... Yeah, right. Speculation. Sorry, yeah. Scott. Scott, mm-hmm. so you have made it through the end. Congratulations. You've gone right. through the gauntlet. Um, <laughs> if anyone makes it this far, two hours and blah minutes, almost three at this point, do a little mm-hmm. plug for all the stuff you do, man. What should people look for to get to know more about you?
2: Well, the main thing is if they want to hear my podcast, they, the website is like.com? And it's on all uh, any podcast app. We'll we'll pick it up, and it's on Stitcher and Pandora and I don't know, just about you. You can find it on any any podcast player. What was that like? (laughs) And start at episode one and download all of them. That's what I find when when people find my show, they download the whole back catalog, right? And because they're just doing one after the other, the bingers.
0: Thank you, yeah. Bingers. Appreciate your support.
2: Absolutely. Yep. Scott. And I do uh, I, 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 my computer business. I have clients all over the country. If you have a problem with your computer, if you're still running Windows 7, oh, you're really using right. a computer that is not safe. It hasn't been safe since January 14. So I can do an upgrade from Windows 7 to Windows 10 remotely. And if you want to speed up your computer, put in a solid state drive. There's no comparison.
0: So, I thought you were a cool guy until you said that, and now you're really? a complete dork to me. I'm sorry, really. No, which, I'm which, what part of what I said? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm a computer. Solid nerd. state yeah. drive. I was like, oh god, oh god.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I'll tell you something though. Yeah, the traditional spinning disk hard drives they have so many little tiny moving parts, and they're so slow. That's why you can do a restart and go have a cup of coffee and come back. Maybe the computer's up by then, right? Well, with a solid state drive, I'm talking restart it's back up and running online ready to go less than 30 seconds and people people say man i can't believe my computer could ever be this fast i can't do that remotely but i have people ship me their laptops all the time and to you do that just
0: upgrade. replace it
2: yeah yeah oh, replace wow. it and clone everything over so when they get it back their desktop screen is going to look exactly like it does right now uh, all their programs all their documents and pictures everything's right to where it was but it's going to be incredibly fast.
0: And what's the computer business website?
2: It's co- it's computertutorflorida.com. Love it.
0: Scott, thank you so much for, um, what did we have to reschedule this once or twice? Uh, something like that, but yeah, that's okay. No, dude. I appreciate your patience with my daughter sleepovers. I appreciate your time. I appreciate three hours. Of your life and letting people get to know you, man. It's been, dude, super interesting with your. I want to say super dorky mind, not to be insulting, but to be complimentary. Like, just, you know what? You're a I fucking tell it, intelligent geek, man. I love it. Well,
2: that's you know, people that are true geeks don't don't take that as an insult. It's a compliment. Gotcha. So, dude, you're one. Fine.
0: Dude, you're one of the like. You're you're. Two oh foxy i I can't even say what what's the the bell curve with the lines that go through it where you're one or two past standard deviations like dude, st- you are clearly two standard deviations above me, you're saying I'm a deviant. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for letting everyone get to know you, man. And I so appreciate your deviant time.
2: Hey, I appreciate you. This has been fun.
0: Yeah, dude. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. All right. Night.
1: know.
0: Thanks to Scott for coming on the podcast and sharing stories about himself and his guests. You can check out his podcast by searching. All you got to do is Google. What was that like podcast or even easier, go to his website. What was that Thanks to Andre psyche.com longtime sponsor, friend of the pod for sponsoring the getting to know you pod go actually before you go to, what go to Andre psyche.com. You're going to need a little bit of a mental break after hearing all those stories that Scott shared. (laughs) Go to andrepsyche.com for some trippy merch that's going to be worth checking out. And if you have not already, please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. The word of the pod, word of the pod is foot taco, foot taco. I mean, it fucking had to be the word of the pod. That was, my mind still is blown by that and the moral conundrum behind it. Um, post that word foot taco on any of our social media or tag the pod, the getting to know you pod, when you use it in yours to get a shout out on our very next podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the getting to know you pod, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred podcast platform. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the getting to know you pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. All you need to do is message us. See ya.